trying to bring home the gold. Oh! I am not gay. I have relationships with women. Sex with men. And I got news for you. That means you're gay. Welcome to a wonderful show of getting some color. I hope you know that we only have two of the three finest young podcasters you've ever seen in 30-year-old white men. I have my, my great friend here, the ZAC. He knows a guy from Argentina. We're going to talk about some fun wrestling in 1993. And if you don't want to listen, then there's only one thing left for you to do is listen to my friend here, and he'll tell you exactly how you rest. Rest in peace. Great. Welcome to Getting Some Color. I'm Jazz. Good, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> it did sound like a old man from Family Guy. <laughs> I did. I realized after I went into it, I was like, that doesn't sound anything like him. Uh, so to be fair, I'm trying to like not be super loud when I do it because you need that. <laughs> that I, I sounded more like I was going to tell him about popsicles in my cellar. I was like, fuck. I, well, this is already shot in the fucking dick. Well, anyway, uh, as you can see, uh, Dubs is, is not with us. He, he is out for... Uh, for personal reasons, because uh, life sometimes gets us all in the ass. So uh, we wish him well and his family well. But in the meantime, we are going to do the, the Triple Raw. Blaze it, 420 no-scopes, Turbo triple, Edition. Triple Raw dog in it. Yeah. Tri- triple Penetration, that's what I called it. Triple Penetration. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes whenever the DP's not enough, you, you turn to Tatanka for the TP. That's right. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't do that without waking up the the baby. Who, so we're who gonna... would win between a match of Native American superstar Charlie Norris and Native American superstar Tatanka? Who, who would win? Well, if we use the track record, that it, it depends on who's booking it. If Vince is booking it, Tatanka's gonna win by DQ because that's about the only fucking way he wins now. Don't worry, he'll do that countout spot where he doesn't get counted out, which doesn't make any sense. But yeah, he'll he'll just still win by DQ. But we'll get there. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, Tatanka, no doubt. So we'll just jump right into it. We'll just we'll just penetrate. Uh, we open with this December sixth Monday Night Raw. We got a recap of the previous Raw's events where they show the match that was going on between Razor and Diesel, where Sean interfered, and then one two three kid stopped his interference. He was going to power drive Razor Ramon on his IC title, and then Sean cuts one of those artsy little three-quarter angle promos they were doing in the earlier part of the year like they did these they did these like twice they did them once mm-hmm. with um the uh beverly brothers and money inc mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems random as hell because there was just two heel teams and then they did them one time with the steiners and i think uh money inc uh and now they <laughs> broke it out they broke it out for Shawn michaels who deserves it he deserves a, an art, artistic three-quarter angle promo. <laughs> he said that kid's career is about to be short-lived. <laughs> it's, well, it's, yeah, because he's tiny. He's, he's little. little tiny. 
Uh, I was watching really? this. Uh, really? Watched... He's kind of fucking big. <laughs> oh, he's tall. He's, he's tall and lanky. He's tall and um, super skinny. Yeah. Fucking, you know, who's, you know who Stan Lane is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was watching this video. This is just a random tangent uh, about the match on Raw between Bret Hart and 123Kid in 94. Mm-hmm. Like, considered one of the best Raw TV matches ever. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there's like a home release of that Raw where Stan Lane did. There's alternate commentary where Stan Lane was on there, JR, and all he was doing was cracking jokes, and it kind of drags the match down. And you said he's tiny. And Stan, one of Stan's joke was actually like, yeah, that's his weight printed on his singlet there. Get one, it? two, three. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, come on, Stan. <laughs> You gotta that's be funny terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see how all the golden shine of of '94 uh, and commentary. Oh man, we're getting uh, Dink and and Doink. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Are you? Are no. you? No, I'm yeah. not. And then, and then Majin Crush will be in action. Oh yeah, we will get Majin Crush. But yeah. We are getting uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, who is the Intercontinental Champion, versus One Two Three Kid. <laughs> yeah. So pr- just prior to that happening, like as they're setting up everything and doing the intro, they bring up uh, Vince. Just briefly brings up how uh, the last. Um, oh, actually, it wasn't the last show. It was uh, Survivor Series itself uh that uh gorilla took offense to heenan's remarks or maybe it was the raw after uh but heenan took uh heenan said a couple things to gorilla monsoon like and they rolled with it and Gorilla monsoon's really upset with him and he was like why would you come down here and shut up and wolf down a box of bananas or something and he just continues to pile on the monkey jokes yeah. <laughs> uh so that just All happened right. tonight until of course we get toward the end but yeah car- uh if you want to carry us away with the that the play-by-play Oh yeah, and it's like we're we're doing the old the old raw trick where we open with the main event. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Michaels yeah. and Kid just start off at blistering pace. They're trading punches. Kid out punches him, and then he does martial arts to to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> you know those those kicks that that Sean X Pac always does, and then he uh, he hits one of those Sobat kicks. That Sean likes to do that thing where he backflips over the ropes for him. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. And then Kid I love does that a, spot. Yeah, it's great. And then uh, that time he actually got all the way over. The first time he was like, uh, uh, uh. He kind of hung there for a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, then Kid does a springboard planka to the outside on him, which is kind of state of the art for 1993. <laughs> Sean tries to suplex him when they're outside, but like, uh, like. They, they, they go back in. He tries to suplex him back in the ring. Uh, Sean does. But mm-hmm. Kid reverses it. German suplexes him for two. Uh, and then they're doing the headlock spot where Kid gets him in a headlock for a long time. And he keeps, like, taking him over for, like, pin attempts. Mm-hmm. Until Sean says, enough of this shit. And he back suplexes him out of it. <laughs> like, that goes on for about uh, two minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um then they do that uh, spot where Sean whips Kid in the corner, and then Kid leapfrogs, and then runs away from him to the opposite corner, leapfrogs out of it, and then Sean's like, "Oh, I know this trick." So then he leapfrogs him back, and then catches him in a head scissors and head scissors him out to the floor, which was like yeah. pretty cool. 
Yeah, it looked kind of rough, too. But, I mean, I think, like, well executed, just like it was supposed to look that way. Yeah, like, Sean Waltman likes to do these spots where he flies out to the floor and just lands, like, a sack of batteries on the fucking floor. Because <laughs> it always sounds terrible when he lands. Just, he doesn't have a lot of padding. Like, it just, it's got to hurt. Uh, but let's see. Uh, that's when... Uh, Sean tries to whip Kid into the post, but Kid reverses, and then Sean takes a wild pump post where he uh, sucks pole. <laughs> uh, he hit, he sucked pole so hard he like he spun out and landed in the floor. <laughs> but uh, Kid goes on the apron. He does a senton, but Shawn Michaels power slams him instead, and then that's the break spot, which is a hell of a break spot. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't really see guys power slamming people on the floor much in 1993 from, like, the air. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, come back. Sean's doing backbreakers. He puts Kid in corner, whips him opposite corner hard, and Kid's like, oh, shit, and he collapses. And then uh, he tries to set Kid up for a superplex, but he fight, Kid fights out. Sean does a crazy sell, and Kid does a crossbody, but HBK's ready for it, and drop kicks him in midair. Uh, he gets a two. Sean does another backbreaker, and he puts in the hold, and then Kid's like, oh, I'm fading. Uh, and he has to like, raise his hand. The ref raises his hand to make sure he's not dead. He's not dead. <laughs> he stays in it. <laughs> and then, uh Let's see, uh, Sean hits the ropes, and then Kid hits the leg lariat, but he's, like, really fucked up from the match, and he can't really recover, so all he can do is just kind of, like, roll over and lay his arm over Sean, and he almost gets three, which is, like, that's that's a great spot because it looked like, oh, man, if he could have just, like, been faster, he could have pinned him. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Um, Kid grabs a headlock and runs, but then... Like, when he gets shot off and he bounces off the ropes, they headbutt each other and just fall over. So they do the the up to ten count, but they both get up, I think, about nine. Mm-hmm. It's like eight, nine right, right away, yeah. They start punching, but Kid out punches Sean again, which is surprising. <laughs> and then uh, he backs him in the corner, does some more martial arts stuff, and then whips HBK in the other corner, does another leg Larry thing, and then Sean staggers out to the middle of the ring and does a flare flop kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. The kid goes to the top, and he does a springboard crossbody, like the kind where you turn your back to him and just jump out and crossbody him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gets two. He tries to do something again. Sean's laying there, and he's like, it's like he's, you might think, is he going to play possum? Is he going to get him? Kid does a senton, and he, he crashes and burns. He rolls out of the way, and we go to break again. Yeah, it's back-to-back commercial breaks, like just like in really rough spots. Yeah, but it's it's great commercial spots, though. See, it's not like it's not like modern WWE TV where it's like a match will start, and then like in two minutes they go to a break. It's like fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Or like the scene, like the scenery they set up for is just weird. Like they'll they'll overproduce like the spot that happens, and like. And then just move to break, and then come back, and they're kind of in like a similar position to where they were. It just seems kind of weird. I know, like uh, the PC era, they were that was or not PC, but uh, uh, the like, Thunderdome era, yeah, COVID era. It it almost seemed like they were even doing the thing where 
they weren't even like continuing matches. They were doing spots where they stopped and like they just picked up right where they left off, which was kind of weird, but Ed's fine. But uh, no, I really like the idea of those cliffhangers. I mean, I, I've always thought that, like, especially if you're going to have a long match, like cliffhanger commercials are, are like the way to go for sure. Because you're like, oh man, what, what's happening? Uh, I, I don't mind coming back to like all of a sudden something else is happening either because it's like it just feels like the show has more life to it. it wasn't mm-hmm. like oh so they just laid there in a chin lock for like five minutes until commercials were over. Oh exactly no I don't mind at all if like they're doing something outside and they get back in there like in the ring when they come back like it shows that action happened I just meant like I like the the idea of like a big thing happens right before they go to commercial break and you're like oh yeah. no what's this gonna turn into like that's that's a good thing I mean it's smart too because people want to keep their eyes peeled right so yeah well you know Vince McMahon uh, refused to sleep for like uh, 25 years. And that causes brain rot, and he kind of forgot how to produce good TV because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. That's brain rot. He can't go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> he might get out of it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, listen, we come back from break. The first thing that happens is Sean Sweet Shed Music's kid. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, shit, he just ate it. You think, is he going to beat him right there? Mm-hmm. No. He's like kind of goofing off, and then Sean does the it, it's over, man. He does the razor thing, and then does a razor's edge to one, two, three, kid. And then he goes to pet him, and then he's like, "Nope, nope, we're doing this again." And he does it again, <laughs> and then he's gonna do another one. But then Razor comes out to like stop him because it's like, "You're hey, man, you're beating up my man," and <laughs> he's he's got to stop him from picking on him, and. He still tries to get him up for the third one, but Razor like pulls kids' feet through the ropes outside and saves him from it. He just collapses. Yeah. So um, I, I wanted to say during this, I think it's between the first two. Heenan just quickly drops a line. He's like, "Yeah, but he keeps him on his back." This is reminding me a lot of Monsoon's career. He spent most of his career on his back. It was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it's just great that he just like he is just shitting all over Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, but he's got to come in at the end, but, but yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, Sean gets mad and he goes outside and slaps razor and then razor starts chasing him around the ring. And then he chases him to like the ramp, the, the, to the entrance tunnel. And it looks like mm-hmm. Sean tripped and fell. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he's like begging off and crawling towards the curtain. Right. When razor grabs him at the curtain, you see uh, a shadowy figure punch him in the face. Dawes. <laughs> It was Oz. It was the, it was the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> but no, um, he took a sucker punch, and then the match just ended, I guess. There, a bell was never rang. There was no count out, so it, was, it just stopped. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a little strange. Like Eventually, the end result was, um, if I remember correctly, let me pull it back up here. I had it in front of me because I was curious how they ruled this like a no contest. So they actually ruled it as a victory for Shawn Michaels by DQ. Okay. So it was technically Shawn Michaels technically won because in, in DQ because of the interference from Razor. As he should. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It's just like <laughs> it just a uh, weird that they didn't like you know actively jump to it. But hey, that happens sometimes. It was more about the drama of what happens. Um, uh, 
after the fact too, because there's there's the spots and stuff that happened after, where um, after Oz takes out Razor, which I'm technically correct. It's technically Oz. Uh, the uh, if you know, you know. But uh, he is still attacked by Sean. Sean then is like uh, choking him out, and then sets him up and does uh, the uh, Razor's Edge on the floor, which. Twice. Looks fucking rough, but I will say this: like, and that's the great thing about the Razor's Edge too. When it's done the right way, it's actually a fairly safe move because you take most of the force onto your knees as long as you're controlling the person as they come down. Uh, especially the second time, you can really tell Sean takes the uh, the brunt of it. Like he hits pretty hard on his own knees first, and then drops him kind of softly. Um, but but yeah, it's still pretty rough, especially uh, on the outside like that. Um. Yeah, and it, it it's funny because it looks like it, it again. They even kind of talk about it here. I've got a different review thing up that says here, like they talk about it backstage about uh, it's apparently a no contest, but the official ruling, like like looking at like the official site that keeps track of these these win loss whatever, it, it is that it's a DQ in Shawn Michaels' favor. It's weird, but um, yeah, I'm gonna let you jump real quick. I gotta. Uh, blip out just a second, go to the other Shadow Realm, but uh, tell us what your thoughts are on the match itself. Well, <clears throat> I thought it was a really good TV match. Um, you could tell that uh, Sean wanted to have a good match with the uh, One Two Three Kid, which seems to be like a, a running theme. Like you had Razor have a good little program with him to help get him over. Then you have this with Sean and then like I don't know if one two three kid ever uh, I assume at some point he'll have a match with Diesel I just feel like that should happen uh I bet it'll be similar you'll see you'll see kid, one two three kid get a surprising amount of offense on Diesel probably uh and then you'll you'll get Bret Hart and one two three kid in a year's time <laughs> um, yeah but uh it was really fun. It was a uh, very, very state of the art for 1993. It was very fast pace, but not like, oh my god, constantly going, no selling. Uh, no, they were selling. Both guys sold uh, a fair amount, especially uh, one, two, three kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it a 7.7 out of 10. Nice. Um. And you know me, I I, I want to be consistent. I don't like to be a hypocrite. So, uh, the finish being kind of funky and up in the air, I did ding it a little for that. But I agree, technically great match. I, I feel like every match we see now with one two three is basically he faces someone that's notable, and he's like, man, he gets a lot more work in than you'd expect. Well, I think it's just because now, like again, amongst them, he's a peer. He's no longer just this up and comer, like he's just, he's good. So it's, it's nice to see, he, uh, it's that, but it sucks because we just, because of how his character is made, he's supposed to be the kid. Like that's the whole point. And it works cause he's an underdog, but nevertheless, uh, he always looks great. His selling's awesome. His, his, uh, martial arts, as you say, is great. Like he's just, he's phenomenal in the ring. Uh, I'd like to see him come back and do one last match. Uh, he's in great shape too. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, yeah, but he, he's he's in excellent shape. He's jacked. So uh, it'd be good to see him come back and just like uh, get get like a good like farewell 
because I don't think you really got to have that on in a big spotlight. So, he nevertheless, WWE, no. yeah, yeah, exactly. He never got like any, anything major. So, um, I, I gave it a seven point two. Um, by the way, for for those uh, listening, I, I have finally conformed to the dark side. I'm no longer doing my own. Oh, Chaz is dirt dirt. No, I'm not special. I'm I'm also <laughs> I'm a cog in the machine. So you're getting the decimal system. Uh, but yeah, seven point two. Um, very strong. Uh, just a little iffy on the ending. Um, and again, the I have my reasoning because I'm going to talk about my stats at the end. Uh, about you know this is just another DQ slash no contest, but this one's redeemed in a way of okay. There's very clearly a story they're telling here. It's not just a DQ for the hell of it. Like yeah. they could have let this match finish either way, and there were some great near finishes. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was a good match, and I also like the the drama afterwards. And I know what it's building up to one of my favorite matches in all of WrestleMania history. I I fucking love the WrestleMania ten match. I know we're gonna cover it, but. God damn, I love that match. Uh, the ladder match between Sean and uh, Razor. It's been, so. it's been a super long time since I've seen it. So it yeah, if you're if you're listening from 1993 and you're, you're you somehow found a way to like use radio waves to time travel and listen to the future, um, make sure to pay attention to that match. In fact, you should go ahead and buy a ticket and go to Madison Square Garden and watch it. It'll probably change your life. It might. It might. Uh, you never know. By the way, I like the thing where when Sean was doing Razor's Edge to uh, Razor outside on the, on the floor, <laughs> there was a spot where, like, after the second one, Razor was just kind of like, oh, and he just kind of rolled over because it, it looked like he landed on the back of his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it showed, like, the cameraman, like, pointed down and looked at his toothpick and, like, zoomed in really close <laughs> on his toothpick. Like, <laughs> So there's actually a great thing that happens when this uh, he he focuses on the toothpick and there's like a bunch of commentary, but my weird hyper ADHD squirrel brain picked up the most inaudible noise ever. You can hear just as they do that zoom in, right as they move off of Razor's face, he goes, "Oh man!" Oh <laughs> man! And it <laughs> just sums up the whole thing. It really does. Uh, it's really good, uh, and they and they don't leave either. They sit on it for like a solid like five six seconds. Like it's just on the the, the toothpick. It's dramatic. The drama. Yeah, exactly. It's like that melodrama with that music that sounds like the song. It's like a rip off of the riff from the song "Runaway" by Bon Jovi, which I think I brought up once already. But hey, it's it's like this early '90s like drama rock type yeah, of pattern. It's, it's good. Uh, after that. You know, we get a little buffer with Vince and Bobby out there. They're just discussing what happened. And Vince thinks that Sean set this whole thing up to, to fuck with them. And then Bobby's just like, well, that's just what happens to impersonators. You know, they just they just get beat up. You just dust them. Like, just, like damn. <laughs> he, go, he, he goes real hard on this on this episode the whole time. It's, it's pretty – he has a great line later. I, like, I got it wrote down. I can't tell you where it is, but, oh, my God, it was amazing. Yeah. No, the, the, he he was phenomenal in this, which again, very very fitting for it. Uh, when we get there, we'll talk about it. But uh, but yeah, this whole episode, he did not hold any punches back. No. <laughs> then uh, we got uh, up next the Quebecers with Johnny Polo versus Bert Centeno and Mike Walsh. Yeah, uh, and I have I have deemed them the, the they're the first official team that I've named myself. They are the Hammondaggers. I Centeno looks like a mini Diet Solo Sokoa. 
Like, <laughs> he just does. And then Mike Walsh is like the San Francisco version of Bob Backlund to me. It's just what he looks like. He's just kind of – he prances around and claps, and he's got like really high-cut trunks. He's kind of prissy prancy. I don't know why. <laughs> it just came off kind of weird to me. So not gonna lie, I had to double check when I first saw Bert Santino. So I was like, "Is, is that, is that Taz?" But like, he hasn't hit puberty yet. Is it Taz? It's not Taz. <laughs> See, he kind of. That's why it took me a second. I looked for a hard second. I was like, "Oh, it's like Taz with hair," and he hasn't is- hit puberty. He hasn't like beefed up a little bit. I like, got bulkier in like the shoulders and the chest. But no, it's just like you said. He he kind of looks like Diet Solo Sokoa. He's like fatter than Taz was. Yeah, he's like, like Taz, marshmallow Taz. Taz was kind of stocky. Like he wasn't just like you know he's he was built in his own. Oh, way. that man's all beef. Yeah, man was a triple quarter pounder. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like this guy, like looked soft. He he didn't look like even though. He he like looks a little thick, like a fucking quarter would bounce off him because he's all muscle. That's that's what Taz was. Taz was kind of short, but he's just like you said, stocky. Taz is like uh, a bulldog, literally. <laughs> absolutely, uh, oh. but yeah, he uh, I, there was that little spot there at the beginning they had where he like taunted him because he was short. That's kind of why I thought he looked like Taz. But then he's like, no, and they like start to bitch slap each other, and then they that's where the match starts. But I, I'll let you, you go from there and give us our our play by play. Not not much to cover from there really not, not really yeah from that point i think uh mini sokoa drop kicks him after he punches uh jacques for being a, a prick a french canadian prick as is want to do <laughs> then mm-hmm. uh mini tags in fruity backland who, who prances around claps <laughs> and, and then pierre uh is gets tagged back tagged in now and he beats the bejesus out of him <laughs> But you know, I'll give him credit. Fruity Backlund sells pretty good, though. And uh, like, like he he took clothesline, and it looked like he was fucking shot. Like he just like f- flipped backwards and like flopped his body out, and was just like, "Damn, okay." Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Uh, I think Walsh tagged out. Centeno gets beat on for a while. And then Quebecers do some cool tag moves. We're like uh, Jacques backdropped Pierre. Mm-hmm. Onto the ham and egg, which was like a senton. It was like elevated senton thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't think I've seen that before. That's that's yeah. interesting. It, it was kind of cool, yeah, uh, yeah. I, the the match itself was an afterthought, and I've noticed kind of a theme, which that's why I, I want to wait to the very end to talk about it because it's a pattern that I've I've noticed more and more, and they're really leaning on it now. But these matches are kind of like a backdrop to whatever the commentary nonsense is that's going on. Like this entire match, like just wasn't covered because they were on the phone with Randy Savage, trying to talk to him from the UK. Allegedly, he was in the UK at a place, and they're trying to talk to him about things because now it's official that he's they're looking to maybe bring him back, and he's he's going to wrestle now, um, and that uh, and whatnot. But uh, or I, I rather I say that back. He's on tour, and they're trying to get a hold of him. I think I'm time traveling. The meat, the meat's kicking in. I was gonna say, I think you just time traveled. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he actually get a hold of him during the uh, the crush thing. That's right. No, I time traveled a little. I, I apologize. But they they talk about it. They they're attempting to get a, a hold of him, or they're gonna try to talk to him and reach him because he's on tour. But they talk about 
other stuff during this match. They're not talking about the Quebecers. They're talking about Randy Savage and Crush. They're talking about Shawn Michaels and, and Razor. And I think at one point they bring up Bret Hart, Noah, and briefly. Like they're they're like yeah. selling other stuff that's happening, and they're not selling the match, which I, to me is even though you have gold in your commentary at the moment with Bobby Heenan, it doesn't really matter who's in there and talking. If you're not focusing on what the match is, it takes away from the wrestling match. So it does. Uh, but not like this one gets graded. I, I mean, I, I just put it as a your standard squash, and I left it at, at that. But it was a it was a squash. Um... What was what was the finish? Uh, the senton. Yeah, Jacques helps uh, Pierre do a senton. They hold hands because they're best friends. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> instead of it being a senton, though, like Pierre came up short and he like double leg drops Centeno on his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like fuck. And that must have been a little rough, but yeah. Um, after that match. This whole time, Johnny Polo was sitting out there like in a lawn chair reading a Polo magazine. He wasn't even oh, reading it. Yeah, <laughs> they put the dude in the lawn chair and then hit him. <laughs> Forgot about yeah, that. They, they sat him in the lawn chair and then Jacques clotheslined him. I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it, it was pretty funny, but I, I don't know. I, just, I hate that the – again, the match is just there. and. I have honestly, I have a lot of of that same sentiment about most of the three shows we're we're going to talk about. Well, but yeah. yeah, this this gets into something I mentioned before, uh, where uh, after Survivor Series, typically for for this company, uh, they go on autopilot until January, and mm-hmm. that's kind of like what we're getting now is is that behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to say. It really started when they started doing Raw because before they didn't really have like regular TV except superstars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not the same. But uh, this is where the pattern starts, <laughs> and it's still there. Oh well, I, that's not entirely true. I feel like the writing, like more recently, was there, but for the longest time, yeah, December's a lull for sure, and that's and it's kind of true for most wrestling. Like there's kind of a lull, and then the beginning of the year it picks up and gets hot again. Everybody kind of like well, except WCW because Starcade was always in December. Mm-hmm. But, uh, everybody always kind of slacked off in December. It felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We get a brief ad for the '94 Royal Rumble, and then Vince is talking to Owen Hart, who's standing back. I mean, he's not at, he's not there. Vince is talking from the commentary desk to him backstage. It's <laughs> like standing in a black room, and is he's wearing like the wraparound shades, but they look black <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's the antithesis of Brett. He's like, no reflective p- pink. He's in a black room. His singlet's black. His, his sunglasses are black. Mm-hmm. He, he talks like this. He's like, he's angry. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Canada dry. He's, he's Canada angry. He's uh, Canada heat. Canada heat. Uh, Owen says it's great that Brett won Superstar of the Year, but he's going to do something that's going to get everyone talking about him. After his comments, he says that Brett's always overshadowed Owen, and who's done everything but win a washer and dryer in the WWF, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we get uh, uh, my favorite match of the night, uh, oh. Dink versus uh, Tommy DeVito, the younger brother of Danny DeVito. Oh. <laughs> It just started okay. off. As soon as they came out, Bobby was like, oh, no. And I was like, yep, that's my sentiment exactly. <laughs> oh, 
Oh yeah, what did I call him? I called him Ham DeVito. <laughs> yeah, the, the jobbers. Yeah, you're gonna see a theme now. I've named them all related to Ham and Eggers to keep the the spirit of uh, Bobby alive. But they got really dumb names. But yeah, this is Ham DeVito. I did a similar thing. I started using that term more uh, in mm-hmm. honor of him. <laughs> he uh, he did make some great jokes at uh, Dink's extent. The expense though through this match, he's like, "I'd love to take that little stinker for a ride in that stroller across the interstate blindfolded." And Vince is like, "Stop it!" <laughs> I love whenever someone takes things too far. This happened to the next episode with uh with Cornette too. Whenever <laughs> keeps saying a joke to a point that is just so fucking stupid, and, and they can't get too far, and and Vince just goes, "Stop it." <laughs> It always gets me every single time. It's like, okay, you've crossed the line. Vince is done with this. Like, it's almost you can tell when he's finally like shooting. And he's like, no, stop! Like, stop <laughs> like USA is gonna fucking like find me money. Don't like, don't say anything else. <laughs> uh, Doik starts doing the shit where he out wrestles the guy, but he's not as interesting or as fluid as Matt Board was. And then, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that's going on here, though, is like Dink is always interjecting himself into the shots from like hard camera and elsewhere. So it's like, did, did you say? Hold on, well, let's go back to this. Did you say that he's not as he's not as fluid as Matt Bourne is? Is that what you said? Yeah. This guy is as stiff as a pedophile in a fucking Chuck E. Cheese ball pit. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy, I, I can't I don't remember who this is. I like there's at one point he's hunched over and he actually looks like his lower back hurts as he's trying to wrestle. <laughs> he's not doing fluid. He's not doing fluid. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm assuming if we're going by the laws of biology, doing fluid makes dink, right? How do you, how do dinks get made? I, 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 well, when a mommy doink and a daddy doink are in love. When Mabel doink comes <laughs> into contact with Bushwhacker doink. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, because clearly, clearly one of the Bushwhacker doinks is, is the power bottom. Clearly, <laughs> uh, he keeps like interjecting himself into all the shots, and it distracts from this match, even though it's boring because this guy who plays Doink now is boring, and he's a baby face now. And yeah, he says he'd like to hang Dink from his rearview mirror at like an air freshener and bounce him against the windshield after hitting the brakes really hard a few times. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one too. Yeah, a lot of like, really weird like lines about violence on cars. <laughs> He's like, Bobby, why are you so violent? And like like Vince says that. He's like, what does it matter with you? And he's like, I'm just a product of my environment. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vince is like, I suppose that's true. This doesn't yeah. know what to say to that. Yeah. Um, so that's the best line ever. That's the best comeback ever if someone's mad at you. What's wrong with you? It's a product of my environment. It's really, it's really good. It really is. There's oh, nothing fuck. else to say about this because it's like I mean with at least with see with other squashes that's why squashes are weird. Like if somebody's doing a squash and you don't give a fuck about them and it drags on, just it's just death. Uh huh. That's that's what always happens too. Is like the people that get the really long extended squashes, they're always boring as fuck and they're death. Mm-hmm. And that's what this one was. Well, it's almost like these squashes go on not even for this. They go on because they got to fill in so much time for whichever and. It's like the commentary conveniently gets so much in, so it's like they need it to fill the time that they're going to use just talking and jerking off on commentary, which sucks because I don't, I don't want it to be that way. 
like wrestling shouldn't be happening because it needs to fill the commentary's time. That's that's exactly the opposite of how it should be. But but unfortunately, that's that's where we're at in some of these matches. But and it's not like it's new. Like this has been going on for a little while. It's just it's very apparent in these episodes. But um, yeah, I I thought this was really boring. I I think the whole Dink thing is such a bad joke. It's it is just laffy taffy rapper. Like terrible and diminishing returns hit very quickly. Like I could care less about the supposed heel having a miniature version of himself come up to the apron and pull a little horn and go <laughs> and like in an way like that's just stupid. I, I, I don't need already. that. I, I hate him already. And like while the match was going on, I was that little fucker was like getting into my viewpoint and everything. All I was thinking of was like I can't wait till Bam Bam fucking kills him because I know it happens at some point. <laughs> I, I yeah. remember it because at some point Bam Bam gets a hold of that little prick and just fucking kills him. Fucking launches him to the ceiling and eats him. Yeah. yeah. Doink beats him with a whoopee cushion, but who cares? Squash. Yep. I actually put lame ass squash. I, I've, I've actually got to the point that okay, I guess it's, it's fair to bring up the squash matches are so prevalent now that you can't just call them squash matches. Like, we have to grade the squash matches. So this wasn't even a good squash match. It was a bad one. It was a lame-ass squash match. Alaska. I kind of like that. We'll uh, we'll workshop that so we can differentiate squashes instead of grading them. Yeah. I, I think that works because it, it, we're having too many. Yeah. So, uh, you want to talk about the Jeff Jarrett segment? <laughs> um, well, I, I'll go over it real quick. I mean, nothing different than any other... Uh, Jeff Jarrett vignette. Um, he's in the go- uh, the fa- uh, golf uh, Hall of Fame gift shop. Sorry, I always say golf. I had an ad come up on this thing here, and it's like golf and fucking Pokemon or something. Apparently, the internet knows what I'm into. Uh, but uh, Hall of Fame gift shop, uh, where effectively he's just doing the same shit, where he's just like, I'm I'm the greatest person ever, and I'm ready to wrestle and take over. Uh, I almost time traveled. I realized the next episodes when he does like they do like his greatest hits, which I actually have a great thing to say about, but we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have anything word for it. I, I just wrote down another Jeff Jarrett promo that's great. And again, Jeff Jarrett. I actually wrote this down. Jeff Jarrett could just spell his name every Monday on television right now, and it's it's one of the better highlights of every Raw, for better or worse. Sure. If they come up with like some creative way for him to do it, like the last time, the one that popped me was when he was on the security monitor and it showed up on the screen of the monitor. I was like, okay, that's that's great. That's a really great piece of editing. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, oh, but yeah, I uh, I wrote something like the the thing about this one was he had this fat old guy with him who was called Step, who just kept saying to everything Jeff would say, he'd say. Yeah, tell him, Double J. Yeah, tell him. Tell him, Double J. That's like he just, he's just like his little, like, yes-man minion or some mm-hmm. shit. See, his uh, name was Step. Is that what you said it was? I swear to God he said his name was Step. I thought he said his name was Sip, but I could have missed that. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it very well could be Step, now that you said it. I, I don't know. But, yeah, basically, like you said, he's, he's just a lackey that's there to say, yeah, mm-hmm, I agree, you're the best. You're the best, Double J. Tell him, Double J. We never see him again. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to jump to that because I really thought the the fucking time travel meet was messing with me again, and I was like, did that happen in the greatest hits? And he just brought it up, or was that this one? I, but you're right, it was this one where the guy's like sitting there, like saying yes to everything he's doing, like yeah, boss, yeah, you're the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, 
I think after uh, Double J gives us his promo, they give us a quick package about the feud going on with Savage and Crush um, in the in the evolution of Majin Crush. Uh, so, and this is when they officially announce that uh, Macho Man is returning to the ring and he's going to face Batu. Uh, I actually named this match. I said, uh, I said, future Bonesaw versus future Rikishi. So technically not wrong, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's exciting. That it, it's like the first time they're advertising and they're like officially like, okay, he's back. And again, he did he wrestled at Survivor Series, but every time he's done, he's wrestled. It's been like a novelty type of thing, like yeah. where he just shows up. That now they're officially like, okay. He's back. So this is great that he's he's actually back. And again, Majin Crush is there. Um, actually, that's what's next. We, we get to, um, uh, after they, they have a, a quick break, they, they come back and uh, Crush is going to face another uh, jobber, uh, Edgar Tony, as I named him. Tony again, they're Roy. not. Yeah, Tony Roy. They they uh they're not very creative these these Ham and Egger names. They get better in the second and third ones I wrote down because they they're pretty funny. Uh, but but yeah, uh, do you want to take it away and tell us about Majin Crushed? I mean, we all know how the the match finishes. He hits him with the Big Bang Kamehameha. I will. Uh, real quick, just to go double back to the Double J segment. There was one thing oh. that happened to it that made me laugh. Oh sure. Uh, when he had this, his little crony with him, and he, he was talking to this Waldo, the country sax guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he was like, I'm going to get my break, and then I'll be on top, and then I'll come back here. You might be able to play with, with, with my band once in a while in a session or something. He's like, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little something here. And he goes, Step, give him a dollar. And he makes his little crony pay him, and he's like, don't forget where that came from. <laughs> He made this guy pay him out of his own money and acted like he did it or some shit. Yeah, that is that is some uh from some grifter fucking gangster shit right there. You get you get a fucking crony to pay somebody else their own money and then make it and get all the credit for it. It's <laughs> fucking great. Ah oh, shit! Um, Could you imagine fucking Jeff Jarrett should run for president? He should have a he should have a show or something. They can make a show out of this, I feel like. I, I What I want is, if, and not even kidding, I mean this in all honesty, for the pure entertainment value, because politics in America is shit anyway, I would genuinely enjoy watching C-SPAN if Jeff Jarrett were in the Senate and he were just in character in his fucking ridiculous country outfits sitting there and he was just like going on and he's like, I can't stand for any of this. None of this makes sense filibuster, I'm going to sit here and talk all day, and he just kept spelling his name repeatedly, and like talking about all the country songs that he wrote that other people ripped off you know for him. All, all the country songs I wrote, all the hits, all the politics in Nashville kept me out. You know, you know who invented the ankle lock? You know who invented mixed martial arts? J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T. You know? Just <laughs> every ridiculous claim ever. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, I, I won our wrestling contest against Sasquatch. That's why he didn't come out anymore with his big ass feet. And like, <laughs> just dumb shit like that. He was, my family invented American wrestling. We all know that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, we got Maja Crush with with Mister Fuji versus Tony Roy or Hammy Roy. But but this is the line Bobby Heenan said that got me. Bobby Heenan says while while Maja Crush is coming out with Mister Fuji that tomorrow 
is the anniversary that Mr. Fuji always celebrates. Oh, my God. He says Pearl Harbor. I'm like, oh, I actually had to pause for that one. Oh, no, oh, my God. A microphone down for that so I can break it. I forgot he said that. That's one of those lines where uh, he didn't even carry a joke on. That was the joke. And immediately Vince said, stop it, Bobby. Bobby, <laughs> come on. You can't be serious. They <laughs> get Savage on the phone during this match, though. And it's like, it sounds like he's call- He's from. He's calling from Bournemouth, England is what they claim. But it sounds yeah. like he's calling them from like a Cold War era rotary phone halfway across the fucking world. Oh, it's so much static. Connection's terrible. I honestly couldn't understand like 70% of what he was saying. I think that so, was kind of the, the point. They want it to be the terrible, and that's when Heenan jumps in and it's like, oh yeah, he's hiding out in the fucking basement of a, of a fish and chip diner. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. And then um, I was watching the match while this is going on, though, because Crush is, is trying to act different and wrestle different. Mm-hmm. And I do notice this because he's doing martial arts. <laughs> it's like every time he does a move, he does a, a, a roar, an anime roar and a martial arts pose. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get it out without laughing. Cause I was just thinking about him doing it. Like he just, he like punched a guy like, and he goes, Bleh! and I'm like, what the fuck is he? <laughs> A fighting game character now or something. Like, I don't know what this is. Uh, I immediately saw it, and I was like, it, it, it's a deep cut. Nobody's going to get it, but, like, but whoever. But for the small people, or the small circle of people that understand this reference, Crush, Crush is so close to turning into his own fucking Animorph, and it's an angry panda. <laughs> Oh my god! But he did that the whole match, though. He would like every movie he'd do. He'd do anime roar, martial arts pose, and fucking like he was doing but some cool he did the finger. He did the, the fucking finger and shit. Or he's like, uh, oh, like when he put, yeah, he's too tall for that shit. You can't do that. He he was doing like kind of good uh, stuff though the whole time. It was just he was he's being too goofy. He went he went too far. Uh, yeah. He beat uh, Hammy Roy with a military press stun gun. He just fucking lifted him over his head, dropped him throat first on the rope. He got okay. three, brother. I don't like correcting you, but it was Edgar Roy. Um, <laughs> Ham and Edgar Roy. Yeah, who gives a fuck? It's yeah, fucking useless ass body with no like consequence to the universe or its outcomes. Yeah, he, he crushed him. Sorry, I mean, none of us technically, but you know that's how that works. Sorry, if you were here to hear of things that were happy, you go somewhere else. Robert uh, Ham Eggers. Is, is Robert, <laughs> Robert Ham Eggers. I like it. I like Robert it. H. Eggers. I bet it's H. Yeah. If you, you get WWE 2K23, that should be your created wrestler, and you take him through like the My Career shit. Robert uh, Ham Eggers. Robert H. Eggers. It's every, yeah. every move is named after a, a fucking obscure ass film. And he has to look like the shittiest default '90s jobber wrestler. He has to look like that. So, oh, it's fucking Brooklyn Brawler, but he's wearing a turtleneck. I mean, no, Brooklyn Brawler doesn't look default because he looks dirty and shit. Oh, he, yeah, he's, he's not default. He's like his own thing. I guess that's fair. He he needs to look like Tony Roy. He looks like yeah. a guy from Brawler. He looks like this guy 
on this 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 segment for this New York guy who's a tough guy because everybody from New York's a tough guy. You know what I'm saying? He, oh, yeah, he looks like a default tough guy. You would job to the Brooklyn Brawler to make the Brooklyn Brawler look a little more legitimate, but he's still a jobber too. Exactly. We got yeah. it. There we're there. The job jobbers. This guy's on screen. He's like that Razor Ramon. He ain't so tough. And then it shows this guy taking a bunch of moves from Razor. I wish Dubs is here right now because he could do. I just let him do this. Yo, I wish she was here right now. I'm gonna take him out. He, <laughs> he, he takes a bunch of punches. He comes back after he takes all Razor's moves. He's got like one black eye, and he's like, "That's Shawn Michaels. He thinks he's pretty. I'll show him. He'll be pretty silly." And then he's, he takes sweet shit music at a power driver, and then now he's got two black eyes. Yeah, and then he straight up says, yeah, well, those guys are pretty tough. But that Yokozuna, he's fat. He's fat. He just goes, he's fat. Too fat. <laughs> I can take him. And then he gets leg dropped and uh-huh. bonsai'd, and now he's in, like, a full body cast and shit. He's just like, what? Was it something I said? Yeah, I like, cute ah. bite. He's fat. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny. I love these little bits that they're doing. They're just so stupid, but just like 90s hype. It's great. It's like the one where the, the dude's in bed with his hot-ass wife, and then she's like, come on, let's let's do it. And he's like, I'm tired. It's 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 Monday. I'm tired here. <laughs> Monday, 9? Oh, I got to watch Raw, and he turns it on. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and then she's like frowning. Like, oh. <laughs> uh. But they set up next week. Uh, Undertaker's going to give us a special interview. And then we'll get Adam Bomb and Smoking Guns in action. And then then all of a sudden, Gorilla Monsoon's walking out. <laughs> and he goes out to the uh, announcer desk, and he grabs Bobby Heenan, and he's like, he starts yelling at him. He's like, you've been doing nothing but tell lies, and I'm going to take you on a trip. You're coming with me. He's like, I'm going on a trip. Like, at first, he's, like, kind of excited. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're going on a trip. And then he's like, no. And then he realizes, like, oh, no, what's happening? And he, like, pulls him out and, like, basically drags him out. And then, like, at one point, right before they get, like, in the corner of the ring where they're getting to the entrance, he lands on his knees and Bobby's just, like, begging to him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Grill's like, get, get your ass up. And he just picks him up and he just keeps dragging him. <laughs> And he keeps ranting about like how he's 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 done nothing but lie the whole time. And everybody's sick of it, and he takes mm-hmm. him to like the backstage exit of the arena, and he's like, "Here!" And there's like a bunch of shit by the door. It's like the, he grabbed all of his stuff before he did this, and then like throws all of his stuff outside, and then kicks the door open and throws Bobby Heenan out of the arena. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then Bobby's like, "What? Let me back in!" Oh, and all the all the stuffs everywhere. My things. And this is like. That's a sock. That's 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 toilet paper. Like he's just commenting on all the things that are just that he dropped or something. <laughs> Bobby almost yeah. falls on his ass picking all the stuff up, and he's like all frazzled. And he's like, "There's like a tour bus or something over there." And he like knocks on the door. He's like, "Hey, let me in!" And then he just kind of like, "Yeah." He, it did go full circle. Dubs is right because initially, the beginning of Raw. Bobby Heenan was doing some ridiculous shit, like trying to talk people into letting him into the arena. And they wouldn't let him in. And then he dressed up like a woman to try to disguise himself to get in and all kinds of stuff. It was a whole thing. That's, that's classic Bugs Bunny right there. And it, it came full circle, like he just said. It, it, they kicked him out, and he can't get back in. Yeah. Uh, 
So I, I read something that was kind of interesting because I didn't realize at first when I was watching it that he was officially just like it, it seemed very obvious. But I was like, I wonder if he's just being written off temporarily or or whatever. But uh, this is officially the end of Bobby Heenan in the WWF, which is a really big fucking deal. Because it took me a couple, it took me a little bit to realize. Oh wait, he doesn't go back because he's with WCW for. The rest, uh, the, the rest, yeah, the rest of it, yeah. So it looks like at the time this happened, uh, Wrestling Observer, uh, which basically at that point was basically Dave Meltzer <laughs> in his in his mom's house, um, was like uh, he reported Bobby originally was offered a new deal, but it was pulled and he was offered less money. He wasn't happy with that. Um, they wanted everyone to move near Connecticut because, you know, that's where the company is and to save money. And Bobby was tired of being on the road and wanted a break, did not want to relocate away from his daughter who was in school. So he refused to move. Um, but then said that uh, in the hotel afterwards that he spent an hour crying together with Gorilla and that he did not want or he wanted to leave the WWF on good terms. So, like, I'm glad they set up everything as they did. I mean, of course, in real life, Gorilla and Bobby are, like, best friends. Yeah. And, you know, this was not, like, they tried to do everything they could to make it a good uh, a good thing in terms of leaving on good terms. But, again, this is really sad. Like, it just sucks because basically this is one of those things where the WWF is not willing to, to pay out a little more money to keep someone. And I really feel like this is that whole thing of, they are not putting value on where it needs to be. They don't realize how much Bobby matters. And it definitely goes to show as the next year goes on because the commentary is a big part of keeping things together as far as the viewership goes. Yeah. Um, and that's that, that matters. So uh, this sucks. We're going to miss Bobby for sure. Um, to kind of wrap up because we still got two other shows to cover plus other nonsense. Uh, what were your thoughts on the show overall? Real quick, I'm going to dump some oh, yeah, uh, little beat Uncle Eric getting thrown out uh, into like a, a dumpster. That oh, <laughs> that, okay, that's true. That, that, uh, that's 100% uh, true. Or like Jer- that happened to Jericho too. He got carried out and he was like crying and shit. Um, but this this felt like how Bobby Heenan would get fired. This is what this is what this felt like. Uh, and even there, a brief a brief moment of realness happened when he looked back at the arena and he like just saluted. Uh huh. He looked kind of sad for just that one second. He like broke character and he just, he walked off. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah I heard, I'd heard that they just opted to not renew his offer him a new deal, but I, I didn't know about all that other stuff. Yeah, I didn't either. I, until I, I like read this and I was like, Oh yeah. I, I like having this like as a little backstory. It's great to know like little things that are going on at the time. Kind of tells you how the booking works. It's, it's a neat little thing of knowing behind the scenes because sometimes you wonder, well, why the fuck did they do that? But then you get a little bit of insider info on like backstage. Oh, well this happened. Like for instance, why did Dwight suddenly get turned face and they're doing all this dumb shit? Well, it's not just because Matt Bourne didn't want to do it. It's a different wrestler because Matt Bourne got, uh, fired from the WWF because of substance abuse policy stuff. Yeah. So, like, that's that's why the wellness policy stuff, which they didn't really have a wellness policy, but this is also the during right at the peak of the steroid trials. So, timing-wise, like, that, that's why Doink is changing, and, and it's 
it suddenly is turning into shit. If it suddenly feels like Doink got really flabby and he's not himself, it's because he's not. But yeah. nevertheless, uh, yeah, it's great, good insight to know, like, you know, Bobby truly loved what he was doing, but at the same time, just couldn't continue with the travel, need to keep up with his family. I remember listening to some other podcasts, too. Uh, Bobby had a lot of anxiety, which uh, which actually kind of, like, blows my mind. This is a man that seems so naturally gifted to, like, talk in front of crowds of people. He had a lot of anxiety around people mm-hmm. and, what like, pretty effectively did a lot of his job under the influence. Like, he would smoke so much fucking pot between <laughs> this is a legend of course this is a legend between like jr's podcast and stuff but he's talking about how like pretty regularly he would get really fucking high to try to be able to just deal with dealing with masses of crowds of people but he totally just doesn't seem like that person but one of my favorite stories of heenan if we're going to celebrate him at all may he rest in peace because he's my again if i have to pick my all-time favorite commentators He's definitely up there, if not number one. Mm-hmm. Um, they they loved when they were on the road going to, um, you know, they'd go to like Bob Evans or they'd go to uh, um, just any like little diner. And anytime he would go, he would intentionally ask for a flavor of pie that he knew they wouldn't have. <laughs> and it would like fuck with the waitresses and like, hey, sweetie, do you want, can you just go back there and check and see if you have cherry? Well, well, no, we only have apple or chocolate. Well, why don't you just go ahead and check? And they would check, and they'd come back and say, no, all we have is apple and chocolate. I was like, can you check for lemon? What, what about a lemon ring? You think you can make that work? And he would just, like, mess with the, the waitresses on an apple, like, the type of pie he wanted. And then finally, they'd find one that they could make, and then he'd be like, I want an apple. What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he had like a nice tip and stuff for them to be a good sport but uh, he used to do that to like see how the other guys that would go with them to eat and stuff would, would react uh, just an all timer like if anyone would do that just in a general setting like it's just it just seems like one of the like most like genuinely fun people to be around and we definitely miss him for those that haven't had a chance to listen I mean absolutely go back anything in the early 90s uh, whether it's WWF or his time at WCW I check out Bobby Heenan, or of course his his time as a manager as well in the in the eighties and as well. I mean, it's, all of it's great. Yep, all timer. So that's our send off. But yeah, um, yeah. Back to the just final thoughts. What what do you think about the show? Uh, I thought it was good, other than the overly long doink squash and that really poor phone call with Savage, where you couldn't really fucking hear him. Mm-hmm. The show kind of went downhill after Owen's promo. I noticed it was like after that, it was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. It was so short after that point that it wasn't too big of a deal. Like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this and it had an important moment in WWF, WWE lore, whatever. That this last appearance of of the brain, he's he's mm-hmm. gone. He never ever comes back because he spends the rest of his active career at WCW and then they never offer to bring him back after they buy him out and just, he doesn't really ever work anywhere ever again. As far as mm-hmm. I know, I think he just retired after that. Yeah. The only other, like, I think the only other thing that would even be rem- remotely involved with, with WWF or WWE would be hall of fame. That's it. I think so. Right? Yeah. He, he has hall of fame induction and that was, that was it. Mm-hmm. By that point he was, he was pretty sick. So, yeah. Yeah. Sad. I, I gave the show a seven point one out of ten. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. You're still more generous than I was, but you were pretty high on the, the you were higher on the Michaels match than I was. I, I gave a 6.7. Um, same reasons you had listed. The show really takes a tank in the second half. And the problem that I have is that it is definitely apparent that the focus is more about whatever's going on on commentary than what's going on in the ring, which I have a gripe with. Um, and that becomes a much bigger problem with me as these episodes go on. We'll get to that. But uh, the, the thing right now that's holding it together is that the commentary I'm getting is really good. It's not to slight the people that are going to be in the next ones, but uh, it's the bar set pretty fucking high when Bobby Heenan is the one carrying your show and talking. You know, like he just—I can listen to that man talk for hours. So uh, I listen to an AI trying to do an impersonation of him talking for hours. It's amazing. <laughs> I know, right? Like we were talking about, like, the, uh, yeah, if you don't know, AIs are now just like taking these all uh, these voice simulations from all the samples people have created, and you can just listen to AI generated samples of of your favorite announcers covering events like listening to some of these modern events covered by bobby heenan and gorilla monsoon are some of the greatest things i've ever heard they're scary good like they're very they, close they are really fucking good yeah <laughs> uh, i mean I'm, I'm like almost like skynet worried but whatever we'll, we'll see what happens i'm gonna I'm enjoy it for now if, if these useless twats in wwe can't do their job let ai bobby heat a grill monsoon take it fuck, i don't care fucking probe my ass you can stick a plug in every orifice of my body if if what i'm going to experience is just enjoying what i like okay whatever i'll do that you can, you can suck all the juices from <laughs> You're me just gonna live in the matrix fuck it <laughs> yeah exactly i'll give a shit I, i'm definitely on the side of ignorance is bliss blue pill all fucking day yeah, I don't know why you want to live real life. Anyway, the purple pill, the purple. Oh my goodness, the the blue and lo- yellow purple pills. Fucking oh. the the D twelve song. Yeah, get there. Uh, yeah, my white trash is coming out because I've had too much beer to drink. I listened to Eminem when I was a kid. Kid Rock. Start, are you gonna start telling them about your rap career? No, nah, I ain't that drunk yet. We'll get there. <laughs> so. Next Raw, December 13th. This is the second penetration. Uh, Vince shows us how Bobby Heenan gets kicked out by Grill Monsoon. And then we're like, who's going to be on commentary now? And then Jim Cordette shows up. I'm like, oh, my. There it is. I'm like, so what do you do? You replace Bobby Heenan with the Southern counterpart, Jim Cordette. It's what you do. <laughs> to be fair, it's it's a really good transition. It is. Yeah. Uh, Bret Hart's going to be in action. We're getting Randy Savage versus Fatu, and that's happening right now. So, like, Randy Savage is coming out. Uh, he's reinstated as a wrestler. Awesome. Uh, and then Fatu's out there with Afa. So, they lock up. Savage arm drags Fatu, and then he runs at him, but Fatu just elbows him down. And then he headbutts him and clotheslines him. And Savage is trying to do some offense, but Fatu just keeps shutting him down with, like, headbutts and just big hits and he shoots Macho Man off and he, he dodges his move but Fatu then super kicks Savage and he he sells it by like it's like he knocked him loopy and he like kind of falls out of the ring he like stumbles through the ropes and he's just like mm-hmm. laying out there on the floor like oh shit man yeah. <laughs> like, Fatu goes out there after him and he super kicks him again and then he makes Savage suck pole. So there's our second suck <laughs> pole spot. <laughs> and he's like, 
barely crawling and moving like he's selling this beating. And then he gets back into the ring and Fatu headbutts him on the ground, covers him for two. And Fatu gets him up, shoots him off. But Savage kicks him because like he was going to do like a, a backdrop. Mm-hmm. And then he sh- he shoots Fatu off and then he hits his own backdrop. So that was cool. Uh, Savage runs to the ropes after Fatu to get his. Uh, he goes against feet, but Fatu backdrops Savage over outside to the floor. And then uh, Savage is getting up, but Afa punches him while he's trying to get up. So we got like a referee interference there. And Cornette says, he's like, this proves Afa's a good manager and Fatu's a great tactician. <laughs> he just started. Yeah. Like, the mark of a good manager is knowing when to interfere when the referee's attention is divided. But I would never do that. Others yeah. would, but not me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't want to forget this line. I don't think it's now. It happens later on. Cornette at one point does say, I'm never wrong. One time, I, I was going to throw up, but I corrected myself because I was wrong. I was like, what? And Vince goes, fair enough. <laughs> he, said, he says, I never make mistakes. I thought I made a mistake one time, but I was mistaken. I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I never made mistakes. I was mistaken. I was like, you, you, Cordy fucking son of a bitch. That's funny, though. I fucking love it. It's good. He's good at those little little jokes. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> Alpha distracts the ref while Fall 2 gets that weird brush brushy thing Alpha carries around. Mm-hmm. And it's he, he Savage in the head with it. And Vince is like, oh, come on. And then Cornette's like, he was just trying to brush Savage's head. He's got all that dander fun. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> if, if, like, you can see the, like, it's kind of a similar vibe. Like, Cornette's kind of providing that. But mm-hmm. um, Fatu covers him again, but Savage actually kicks out. So Fatu does backbreaker. And he goes to the top rope, but Savage stops him, and he splits his nutsack in twain when he when he hits <laughs> the, the turnbuckle because that's what that's what happens. <laughs> and then Fatu falls outside to the floor. It's so devastating. <laughs> Savage takes advantage of this. He gets on the top rope and he does a double axe handle, causing him to hit the railing. And then he rolls Fatu back in the ring, and he goes to the top rope, and he hits the elbow drop, the, the cleanest, smoothest elbow drop in all of wrestling. And he gets a three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good little match. And it's nice to see Randy Savage wrestling again. Agreed. What did, you, what did you think? Yeah, no, I liked it. And now, to be fair, it wasn't like anything like spectacular. It wasn't it wasn't like some technical masterpiece or anything. It was a pretty short match. But it, it served its purpose and I think the big thing it was trying to sell was that Savage has had all this ring rust or the worry of ring rust because of him being an announcer for so long, but clearly he can wrestle. Yeah. Um honestly like Fatu got a good bit of uh offense in, all things considered, but at the same time you know, you take in the, all the kayfabe there. He's typically a tag wrestler. He's got a manager that's that's also interfering in other stuff too. Like I, I, I liked it. I, I think the match overall was good. I, I wasn't like blown away by it, but I was good. I, I actually stayed pretty fair on it. I, I gave it a six point five. Oh, I gave it a six point four. Oh, okay. We're right there. Yeah, we are. We're right there. <laughs> we go to. Then we go to like. 
Todd Pettingzoo, who's at the set of WWF Mania, which is like just Titan Towers media room. That's what it looks like to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he says he bought this time for an important moment. It's like, okay, he, he bought time on WWF Raw. Like, he, he works for them. Why does he need to buy yeah. time? Yeah, what a fucking WWE simp. You fucking bitch. You don't need to, like, you're giving money back to the people that pay you for a living, you dumbass. He told Vince, can I buy time on, on Raw? And he's like, sure, pal, whatever, because he's like, that money's just going to come right back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Referendum M. He's goofing off and shit and making a bunch of lame-ass jokes. He does like a very dated Ross Perot impression. Mm -hmm. I'm like, people are going to watch this and not know what the fuck he's saying. Mm -hmm. Like, Because it's like, now Sean makes a pretty dated reference himself in the next episode where he says, Something about Shannon uh, Daughtery getting thrown off of Beverly Hills 90210. But the yeah. thing is, is people more people are going to remember what that is and who Ross Perot is. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, he said he did Ross. He said I'm doing a Ross Perot. He just said what he was doing, and I'm like, yeah. Oh fuck, I forgot about Ross Perot. <laughs> yeah, Ross Perot is it? Is that the guy that invented Smokey the Bear? Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing a thing. <laughs> I, I am doing a thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he goes on and he thinks Jack Tawney overreacted by punishing uh, Macho Man. And he wants the viewers to vote yes for Referendum M, which he referenced. Reinstate Macho Man for WWF Mania. Maybe Macho Man doesn't want to be on WWF Mania. You ever think about that? You ever think about what he wants? Yeah. So what I I was a little like a little irritated about this. Todd Todd Pettingzoo is selling himself as if like he is the spirit of mania. I hate telling <laughs> this guy this. Nobody gives an actual fuck if you were involved in WrestleMania or any wrestling from here on out. You could literally be replaced by just a hobo on the street. It, it it's inconsequential. But that being said, thank you for putting your time in to, to put your own money toward trying to to get Jack Tony to to have Macho Man be the the host of to co-host Mania. But whatever. Yeah. Th thanks for paying Vince McMahon back. Yeah. Oh. It's <laughs> like you get your paycheck and you're like, no, sir, I don't need this much. You <laughs> need more than I do. Paid me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. We come back from break and Lex Luger's here to tell kids to say no to drugs, and I wish Dubs is here for this one, too. Okay, I can't, I can't even fucking deal with this. This <laughs> fucking, fucking no drug, say no to drugs ad is just it's just too fucking much because they've already they've already ruined the, the push, right? Like, we're already there. The moment that he, he won by count out, and they were like, oh, it's the greatest win ever. They've already ruined that, and he already admitted that he hadn't done steroids, but he had done steroids, which was exactly what Hogan did. That's yeah, actually I never did steroids, but I did them three times before, brother. Yeah, we didn't talk about this, but I realized, uh, like, it's weird. I, I, I guess through association, fun fact for whoever's listening. Uh, Zach and I had a fun time over the weekend learning about all of Hulk Hogan's lies, and you know, Hulk Hogan. Went on Arsenio Hall famously and said, I have never, ever done steroids, but then was like, 
oh yeah, I've done them a couple times, but they were prescribed by a physician, and, and they were to help me recover from an injury. They had nothing to do with like trying to get muscle growth or, or you know cheat my way into things. And the exact same thing is what happened when they were building Lex Luger. They did these interviews, and they're not even the interviews that need to happen. They're fake interviews. <laughs> I hate saying fake, but like they're interviews that are staged by WWE. So it's like you can come up with whatever softball question you want to, and you let him waffle through, I've never, ever done this, but then immediately say that you've done it multiple times. And now they have him as the head of the Just Say No campaign. You you like I I don't know Vince should have been writing reality television I guess or something else <laughs> can't write better TV than that it's it's strange it's a strange move it, it really is it's it 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 makes you feel ways about stuff well, he, <laughs> he felt the MK Ultra bean kicking in there I guess I don't know we got next uh, smoking mm. guns versus Steve Smith. Spelled really weirdly, S M Y T A Smythe Steve Smythe. That's what I thought it was, but they said Smith and Jim Massinger with Lou Albano. Lou Albano is managing these jobbers for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a little confused about that, but yeah, I uh, I put Guns versus Ham and Egger too, the the Electric Boogaloo, because we already had Ham and Egger one. I'm just gonna call him Steve Smythe because that's better. Yeah. Um, Steve Smythe is looking like Steve Harrington for Stranger Things. If he had a higher T level and grew an extra foot and a half tall, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean he can wrestle though. <laughs> but uh, Jim Massinger looks like his his ring gear is just like a pair of fucking Zubas, <laughs> like a tank top. I'm like, what happened? Did he lose his fucking gear? <laughs> um. There's not much to say. Billy and Bart fuck these guys up, and they hit all their good moves, and they do their smoking gun shit, which is cool. Uh, Bart hits a DDT on Messenger, which Vince calls a bulldog maneuver, pal. And then <laughs> Billy hits a top rope bulldog right after that. <laughs> like, he called the wrong thing a bulldog, and then an actual bulldog happened right after. <laughs> Just, yeah, Vince's never been good with the technical lingo. He knew what a DDT was. It's, it's weird because on the next episode, he's like, DDT! I'm like, well, you got that time, Vince. <laughs> uh, squash, uh, obviously. Yeah, this was squash. I did find the funniest part of this was at some point, Cornette starts making these jokes about Dr. Kevorkian. Yeah, he about... said something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, he spends way too much time on it. And Vince hits that point again, and he's like, stop it. But uh, he talks about how Dr. Kevorkian... It was a good friend of his, and 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 does whatever. It is right as the the flying bulldog happens, and then Vince is like, "Shut up about this." And he goes, "You know, Doctor Kavorkian was was never actually sued for malpractice, so all that shit was a legend." <laughs> <laughs> he said something about Lex Luger. He's like, "Well, you know, Doctor Kavorkian really helped Lex Luger out. He helped him kill his personality. Maybe he can help him do something else." I was like, Damn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he said something about how Dr. Kevorkian killed his personality, but he can't sue him for that. He can help him with something else. <laughs> He's fucking killing him. Uh, yeah. By the way, after this match happens, we get the first shot of, of Corny sitting there at the desk, and you see like his amazing Santa Claus tennis racket cover. It's incredible. 
<laughs> great. Yeah, we're in holiday season mode, and and they're definitely they're definitely considering that, which is great. Uh, somebody asked him if he still had that, and he said, "Yeah, he 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 has a majority of his special racket covers still." So I think that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. This is so. The next thing that happened caused me to invoke a new rule. It's called the uh, the IRS rule. It's called the Internal Revenue Service rule. And basically, anytime IRS has a match with somebody that isn't uh, uh, like somebody of any kind of importance, I'm skipping it because I don't fucking care. <laughs> okay. So I skipped the IRS match. If you want to say anything about it, go ahead. That's how much I fucking hate this guy now. They they literally come out and say that people need to pay their taxes. He started that shit, and I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I started <laughs> they, they did this. They did this dumb shit where they opened his briefcase, and I don't get how a silver briefcase on the inside can look like the inside of, like, a cheap motel. Like, there's, like, ratty fucking fiber, fabric and shit inside of it. It, it looks disgusting. I'm like, what the fuck do you have in there? Uh, That's what the inside of the IRS's briefcase would look like, wouldn't it? it it's weird. He beats the hell out of this guy. Um, the actually the fucking Todd Mata. When I write, I wrote him Mata. I'm pretty sure. Let's see if I put here. Oh no, I call him Tax Evader. Tax <laughs> Tax Evader Mata um, did get in here fall with a sunset flip, which apparently is a thing because IRS has also lost the jobbers something to pay attention to um which actually it's a it's a call from the future we're gonna talk about that in a second but uh yeah anyway uh yeah irs beats beats the hell out of this guy Cornette talks a lot about princess diana um he gets a back suplex for a win it yeah like you said it's a squash it it's like why i don't care about it um they do the thing again where they reveal like people are trying to like look in at the briefcase and see what's inside, and it is pretty obvious that he's got Razor's gold chain in there how that did he's he stolen. And, and actually, that's what they bring up. They're like, "How did he get that? Do you see what's in there? How did he get that?" Uh, but it, it's it's lame. It's obvious squash that. And so this is I put this in the category of lame ass squash. I I, I, that's my second one. I do want to point out now, it's relevant. This is now the second squash of the night. I, I want everyone to pay attention to that because uh, it matters. That is, so we're going to go two. Dose. Yeah, that is dose. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if you want to uh, carry us on to the, the, the next match, which is related to The Undertaker. I will, but before that, something else happens. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, before events, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The, the fucking <laughs> yellow claws. I forgot. I love this. So, like, after this match is over, uh, Vince is like, uh, the Undertaker will be up in action next, but uh, take a look at Yoko claws. And then Cornette's like, what? <laughs> it just, it's like he's really surprised by this. And it shows, like, Yoko Zuda, like, out in New York City during Christmas time. And he's, like, celebrating and he's dressed up as Santa Claus. He has no beard, though. It's, it's great. Like, it's, the only clean shaven Santa Claus and kids are sitting on his lap and he's looking all jolly and stuff. And then Mr. Fuji even has like a Santa hat on and he's laughing and having a good time. <laughs> it shows like a bedroom and Yokozuna bolts up from his bed, like out of a nightmare. And he's like, <laughs> he looks really sweaty and scared. And then Mr. Fuji shows up from off camera 
And he's like, it was only a dream. <laughs> Relax. And I don't know. That was actually kind of funny to me. I don't know why. No, it was. It was in a dumb vignette, but like it worked. It was great. The, the best he's part like, was when it was showing Yokozuna like laughing and being all jolly, and then it started like zooming in on his face, and it started slowing the audio down, like oh, 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 like he was actually like something was wrong or whatever. Like something fell off. I kind of took it like whenever if you're in one of those high school AV classes and you're learning how to do these edits, that's what it kind of felt like. But it made it so good; it was corny. Uh. I, I laughed at it more than I probably should have, but I don't know. Just the the whole thing. I get. I know why it was funny because you saw Yokozuna doing something he shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why it, was, it was, was amusing. It yeah, was amusing. Uh, then we got Undertaker with Paul Bear versus J.S. Storm. Hey, what did and I call him? Let's see, Heathen Ham. I called him John Boy from the Waltons. <laughs> that's what it looks like because we've seen this guy before and I'm like he's John Boy <laughs> uh, John Boy became a wrestler and kind of had like a, a, a dirty trashy look with like a shitty mullet uh, Undertaker gets a monster pop Cordette starts freaking out saying I feel a hand on my wallet that's you McMahon <laughs> like somebody's trying to pick his pocket in the dark oh uh, um it's like the match starts and then we co- go to a commercial and we come back and John Boy's been been taken to the fucking tool shed art. Yeah, Taker's a baby face pretty much pretty solidly. It we don't know when it happened. It just did one day. That was like the early part of this year. Uh I think it was when he beat up the missing link because nobody fucking liked the missing link. He's a fucking piece of shit. So. Yeah, he like came back and he knew how to wrestle. Remember, it was like the moment he started to wrestle, everyone was like, oh, we love the Undertaker. He's been gone for a while, and now he knows how to wrestle. Yeah. Turned out he always he always knew how to wrestle. They just wouldn't let the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he used to be mean Mark Callis. Before he died and became the Undertaker. That's what. That's the real origin story. Mean Mark Callis was, was killed. And he was reanimated. And that's how we got the Undertaker. Yeah, he died in the same fire. They killed Kane and their parents. Yeah. As then, children, but they were also adults. That doesn't make any sense. Mortis was there, too, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kane was a dentist. Ooh. Isaac Jacob was a dentist, and he was under, he was me and Mark Callis' brother, and then like they, they died in a fire together. That's, that's lore now. That's That's the lore. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I think Nickham sounds more like a porn star name than it does Dennis' name. Kind of does. He doesn't mm-hmm. look like a porn star though. He's he's weird. It, it it sounds weird. It's it's like that gay stepbrother porn. Stepbrother, what are you doing? I'm stuck in the laundry. Oh my god! What? <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. Uh, Taker's taking John Boy all over uh, Walton Mountain right now. And uh, Vince is talking about how Yokozuna and Undertaker are going to have a casket match at the Royal Rumble. And Cordette didn't realize, apparently, he signed a contract for that match. And that's what he says. I don't make mistakes. And then he says that line about I was, he thought he was mistaken once, but he was mistaken. That's what it was. Because Vince is really pushing hard to sell the fact that, that Cordette intentionally did this to sell uh, Yokozuna up the river. 
It's, it's literally the line he keeps using. He's like, you, you sold him up the river. You sold him up the river. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I never do that. I'm an honorable man. purpose. I, it was an accident. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Taker tombstones fucking John Boy and buries him on Walton Mountain. And <laughs> his reaction is fucking priceless to this. He's just freaking out about the Undertaker. This squash. Yeah, um, this squash is kind of like... It, it's weird because... In the confines of a squash, it's very useless because it is just very quick. It's nothing, and they're using it more to just like do the same thing. They're they're using matches to fill in stuff while they talk about stuff, and that's the focus, which sucks. However, this one's different because they're using a premier character within the WWE lore. Undertaker so, like, it, will draw attention even if it's like a, a worthless match. Exactly. People are going to watch The Undertaker beat the shit out of this, this nobody. Exactly. Whereas, like, your IRS, like, it just filled in the gap the same way, and they were trying to tie it into something. We've had others where there's really, they're going to talk about something totally separate than what the match is, and that's that. At least with this one, they focused on it, and they tried to use it to help tell that story. And what they're pushing for is basically... The Undertaker is going to face Yokozuna at the Royal Rumble in a casket match, which is awesome. So I, I get it; they're they're pushing for that. So it should be interesting. I forgot all about that match. Like I knew they had a casket match at some point, but I forgot what it was. I didn't realize it was going to be so soon. In kayfabe sense, it's actually a very important match because it's relevant to why Undertaker is not involved. Uh, in WrestleMania. I'm pretty sure it's where he dies, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, dies. Undertaker dies. <laughs> Japan kills the Undertaker. It's basically Pearl Harbor 2. Pearl Harbor 2. I'm slurring because I fucking Dragon's Milk has a high alcohol content. Woo! America! I don't think it was just Yokozuna, though. If I remember mm-hmm. right, the entire heel locker room killed the Undertaker. They did. They all like band together. It's like a group of people that make sure the Undertaker dies, and they do that weird lighting thing. They make it seem, and they do like the effect that makes it seem like Undertaker comes out of the grave, and like his soul. It's, his yeah, he soul gets, like, yeah, his soul ascends to the light. <laughs> and I'll be back. Like they, yeah, it's it's the full on like like the corniest effect they can use to basically say. I'm going to be gone for a few months while other shit happens. I'll be back for it. Cornette said while, while he was there, while that was going on, he, he tried to hide because he was so embarrassed for being involved in that. <laughs> uh, we get a recap of Jeff Jarrett's greatest, greatest hits, uh, you know, all of his singles. Um, then they set up Ludwig Borga versus Tataka for next week, and I'm like, Okay, <laughs> that'll be something. Uh, <clears throat> then we get Rick Martell versus Tim McNeeny, and I don't even have anything to say about this guy. He's he's so bland, I can't even make fun of him. I said beautiful model versus Ugo Ecker. That's true. Uh, yeah, Mark, he is a boy. He, he beat the fucking shit out of this dude. Like, he got a little <laughs> bit of offense on him, but he, Martel, really pretty, he just out-wrestled the shit out of him and then made fun of him. Um, Boston Crab Squash. 
<laughs> Bill um, Boston Crab Squash. They show us a clip from the previous episode of Superstars uh, where Vince is sitting backstage with Owen during an interview and he broaches the subject about Brett and then Owen stops Vince. He's like, listen. He's like, I know what you're going to say. I'm living in Brett's shadow. There's only one way to settle this. And he challenges Brett to a match and that's it. Pretty much. I mean, I'm not trying to undersell it. It's just, it was straight to the point is what it was. Oh, yeah, like he's uh, he's gonna come into his own. You can tell the pieces are there, but when he's doing like these interviews and stuff, he's not quite got his his personality yet. It's there. It's like you know Jurassic Park when they're watching the little Velociraptor like push himself out of the egg. That's what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) He's being born. He's being born because he's finally getting time. Let's see. Then we get Bret Hart versus Brooklyn Brawler, uh, Dubs' uh, hometown hero. <laughs> and he's not here to contest that. They actually told us in private the Brooklyn Brawler would be on his Mount Rushmore. He can't, <laughs> he, he can't dispute it. So can't. Uh, Bret is just this is like just a technical ex- exhibition against this guy, but the Brawler actually gets a little bit of offense on Bret for for like a couple minutes. But then he says he'd rather have Matt's pick. Are you sure about that? I feel like you're. I feel like that's a lie. I feel like that's not true. Who's been more offensive to us, Brooklyn Brawler or Max Payne? <laughs> Max, see, <laughs> I knew yeah. it. He, he knows. Um, Brett recovers, takes over, and uh, he just he does a bunch of fancy shit. He does his Russian leg sweep. He does his bulldog. He does the backbreaker, and he does a sharpshooter, and he taps him out. It's just it's just a squash to keep Brett over. That's all. It is. Yeah, they're they're really pushing to make sure that every everyone knows Brett is still Brett, and they're trying to get hit at some exposure. And of course, during that time. Cornette's trying to sell Owen to to be in the right, even though we know that's he's a heel. Um, but he also mentioned during this time that Shawn Michaels will be the uh, in the broadcast booth the next week. Um, I didn't catch Cor- yeah, they they briefly bring it up, and the Cornette's like, "Oh yeah, I love Shawn Michaels. He's the greatest. He's he's a future uh, he's a future heavyweight champion. He, he literally is like selling Shawn Michaels to be like the future, which is fucking hilarious because he is, but." Uh, but yeah, um, again, this is just more of that platform of, okay, we want people to see Brett, but we're doing a squash and we're going to talk about other stuff. We're going to set up the Brett Owen match eventually for, for WrestleMania, which is fine. Like, uh, it's like, this would be fine if you didn't have other squash matches and we like kind of turboed through that, but that was the fifth squash match. I actually wrote down in, in terms of the ones we've watched. There were six matches on this card. Six is pretty unprecedented for a Raw episode anyway. Five of them were squash matches, and they were all in a row. Yeah. That's a record. That is a Raw record. Five squash matches in a, in a single hour. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's probably, yeah, it's the most we've seen so far, I'm pretty sure. It definitely is. I, I, I went back to the look. Yeah, okay. So you, you actually checked. So I, was I did. Back, I, I was thinking back to the early part of the year, and I'm like, I don't think we've ever had that many. <laughs> so, 
Nope, I checked. We this is the most squash matches in any one episode, period, and it's five in a row so far. Um, we're not done with the streak though. We'll pick that up in just a minute. But yeah, um, I mean, again, there's some story beats here that are that are interesting that they're still building to, especially between you know now we got um, it has some bubbling tension between Brett and Sean. They kind of cross over with Cornette talking about it, but you know, Cornette's most focused on the Yokozuna Taker stuff at the moment because of the pay per view. Brett and Owen, of course, is getting put over as a thing that's happening. They keep subtly bring, bringing back and reminding us about Sean and um, Razor. Like, you have your clear set of guys that are the, the main event players, and then others to fill the card in. I think that's kind of where we're at, and that's, that's yeah. okay. Um, it's just that there's so many squash matches. Um, so I was kind of generous because the the beginning, like the Savage match was good, and there was still enough storytelling between what they showed that I felt like I, I didn't want to completely take away. Plus, I just want to point out, in this episode alone, we got to see Macho Man Randy Savage, The Undertaker, and Bret Hart all wrestle in a one-hour episode of Raw pretty great i mean that, that it's pretty hard to argue against it so that's why i just kept it easy and gave it an even six because that's solid enough but i am getting a little concerned about how they're doing the storytelling yeah i gave this a 6.2 uh okay show uh it was great to see savage wrestling and vince and Cornette have great chemistry on commentary already mm-hmm uh, that's probably another thing that helped me with my score a little bit. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for that. Uh, we'll just roll right into December 20th. Sounds good. Merry Christmas, 1993. Oh. Uh, they do recap with the dramatic sports music Vince really likes using lately. Uh, showing Ludwig Borga beating the shit out of Tataka back in October. I like how they censored the chair shot. We've seen people get hit with weapons already. <laughs> but it was like, it was too violent for everybody to see. It's like what he was trying to say. And then Tataka gets his own dramatic, artistic three-quarter angle promo. He says he's going to get revenge on Borga for disrespecting him and his ancestors and his fans. And I'm like, whoa. Settle down, Nightwolf. I guess... <laughs> <laughs> he might as well have stood with the fucking hatchet and the lightning coming up. Ah! That would have been cool, actually. I would have been okay with that. Uh, and then that Shawn Michaels comes out and is on commentary. I see where I missed that line in the previous episode. I was like, oh, that's cool. Shawn's doing commentary. Uh, then we get Double J uh, against PJ Walker. And then Jeff Jarrett comes out looking like he got fucking TP'd on Mischief Night. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is he wearing? And that's what Vince says, too. <laughs> like, this, this isn't off to a good start. He looks like a mummy from Halloween. Like, he, a kid trying to be a mummy on Halloween, but he's like five, and he fucked it up. Or something. Yeah, I. it's funny. I saw this, too, and I thought to myself... Well, this is like the classic thing he wore in in WWF, WWE, and I get that. But 
if this is what he wore during his like country music debuts and concerts and stuff, I get why Tennessee turned him away because they're not very LGBTQ friendly. <laughs> and, and he's not, he's kind of showing that he's playing both sides of the field based on what he's wearing. It's just, yeah. it's just not, it's not a good look. So, uh, it's, but again, I, I almost wonder, like, it's intentional. It's supposed to piss off the people that are looking at it. Like, you look at it and think, God, he, his face is like 10 times more punchable wearing that, that fucking toilet paper. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like he's wearing a bunch of toilet paper. I just, <laughs> he got TP'd. It does. And then, it's like so clearly he doesn't get his 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 uh, gimmick upgrade where he had like the, the cool hat with like the double J that lit up mm-hmm. and the, the 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 opulent jacket and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's gonna come later, not right now. But man, he takes all that shit off and you just see that glorious mane of golden hair. Holy shit! Some of the best hair in wrestling. Oh my goodness, he he does have some great fucking hair. I can't even <laughs> hit on it. Can't hate it. As as completely straight male, you gotta respect that hair. Uh, Double J takes pajamas Walker to school. Because <laughs> I don't know, it's PJ, but yeah, he he looks crisp and quick in his debut. And I know Jeff has been already wrestling for several years at this point. We just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, people will always have divided opinions about about him. Uh, because of all the stuff he's done, like, you know, TNA and all that shit. But in my opinion, he was always, like, a really solid worker. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's just, like, one of the r- guys in the ring that are, like, really good. They never fuck up. And typically their matches are good. His matches are always, like, at least solid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never I never found anything about Jeff Jarrett to be, like, mind-blowing. I, I, I would never look and think that Jeff Jarrett is one of the greatest of all time. But at the same time, and that's not fair to him. I'm not saying that. I mean, like, truly, like, like I don't see him on the Mount Rushmore. But at the same time, he is, like, right outside of that. He's on that conversation because he's been doing this for forever. And he is really solid across the board. Like, he is solidly a 7 out of 10 in everything he does at the minimum. So it's like he should be considered based on the numbers and, and his his legacy. So I feel bad saying that. I feel like he's almost better... He, he's much better than it lays out to be, and I don't know how much that has to do with his his lineage in terms of the you know the legacy of WCW and everything he was tied to or not, um, and TNA being there too. It kind of sucks. I love the work he's doing right now. Like he he's always been really good at like being the consummate heel. He's so good at getting heat. Like he, he's like he's a clinic for how to get heat. Um, in the right way, like not like not like the the bullshit way, but like the true way of like getting people mad at you without like I mean they're truly mad at you, but at the same time like you're not actually doing anything that's super offensive, you know. Yeah. Um, so I I always like that. I've always thought the same thing. Like I think he's underappreciated in that way, but I kind of get it. Like he he did. There's probably some politicking stuff he's been involved in. It's been a little fishy, but at the same time. Like, if you were in the same position, you'd do the same thing. So it's, like, hypocritical to be mad at him about that. So. Yeah, and uh, I'll give him this, too. Uh, he's actually a lot more entertaining than what I remember. Like, honestly, I'd say his strong point is his, his whatever you want to call it, his his character work, his, his talking. 
Oh yeah, it's hilarious. It's so it's so funny, and he he he's like so consistent with the like spelling his name out, and just everyone's like booing over him during this, and he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna just like stay the same exact cadence. He doesn't break from it. He just does the same thing right through the booing. He can give a shit. And I said this earlier, but I meant it. I'm like, if you could design a TV show around around this guy at this time, where he's just like this sleazy used car salesman, wannabe fucking country music star motherfucker, and it's just his random ass adventures trying to get himself over in Nashville, mm-hmm. I think that would be a really funny show. It would, it would be. You're right. It, it 100% would be. Um, one thing that was mentioned kind of early on in this match, I thought it was funny that I, I wrote down in my notes, was that uh, really early, Vince asked Sean, because Sean keeps talking about how great uh, Jeff Jarrett is, and Vince says, uh, Sean, what do you know about country? And Sean says, well, I'm from Texas. And then Vince, his response to that, without missing a beat, is, ZZ Top all the way. And then this makes me think, Vince, you're you're a little behind. Well, he said <laughs> something he said something else before that. It was really quick, but if you missed it, uh your context might be really different from what you think. I'd say he was like, Oh, okay. Like he dismissed him from saying Texas. Like oh, Oh, he did. You're right. Which is funny because when whenever Sean becomes like a main eventer, especially after he comes back, they really hinge on the fact that he's from Texas because, uh, like later on in big matches and stuff that happen in Texas, big pay per views and stuff, they're like, oh, he's he's the hometown hero and stuff, which is really funny. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, I bet you're from Texas. Yeah, ZZ Top. I the ZZ Top line made me crack up, and I'm like, Vince, that was like a decade ago. <laughs> well, I heard this. Um, uh, oh shit, this story about like what WrestleMania was it? It was like one of the early ones. It was like four. Uh huh. It was three, four, or five. But uh, Cornette told this story one time where Pat Patterson was trying to help him figure out who they were going to get for their musical guest for, for that WrestleMania. And Pat Patterson said, well, we could get Joe Walsh. And then Vince didn't know who the fuck Joe Walsh was. <laughs> and that's at the time where like Joe Walsh was like kind of big. It's like still like he was, he's a pretty big guy in, in music back then. And he, he didn't know. So he, he went with somebody nobody fucking knows or remembers. So <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the running joke has always been that Vince is like a full decade behind on any type of pop culture reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during this, have you, match, seen, have you seen the meme with that? By the way, I don't know. It was, maybe it's like it was a year ago. It was, it was right before the the alleged things happened. Someone made a meme. It was like, well, if we all follow Vince's pop culture, I'm pretty sure he's going to come up with a storyline that's related to the Hunger Games. So they're talking about he's gonna make up a stipulation. It's like everyone goes in there and fights to the death, and the last one gets to fight for the, the championship. And it was like Hunger Games based because that was like popular ten years ago. But, yeah, I think I did see that actually. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was like, okay, that's fair. He, he doesn't get references. I get it. He spends all his time planning his billion dollar business. I mean, he is a billionaire, so. 
Yep. He, stand, he stands to gain some more, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. During this match, Pajamas gets a little advantage on Double J, who, like, during the match, he keeps dodging, like, shit that he'll do, and he'll do the strut. It's the flare strut, but Jeff does his own version of it. It's the Double J strut. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Eventually, the biggest country music star ever gets mad, and he just takes over and does, like, suplex, and he feeds his boy some turnbuckle. And uh, at one point, Pajamas shoots Jared off, and he's like, he's going to do a backdrop. But Double J is so clever that he just jumps in the air and grabs his head and DDTs him for three. <laughs> yeah. It says, DDT! I'm like, whoa, he learned. <laughs> yeah, he Squashed. pulled the fucking... The jumping disco inferno DDT, uh, yeah, I agree. It was a squash. I, it was interesting. Like he he like gave the guy a little more time to be involved than it probably should have been. But especially for all the time that he spent on television lately, like doing all these promos. But it was fine. Like it was a good like match. Like okay. I said, it was a squash, but I was fine with it. And then, like, again, he wins. The crowd gets super pissed and threw all the boos. He's, like, spelling his name out again. Yeah. And he's, on the, he's on the microphone yelling and stuff at people. Fucking great. And, yeah, like, right and if it helps at all, this guy's been doing this now, like, as of right now, 2023. I think they, they said this on all, uh, the last pay-per-view for AEW. This is now... 37 years, 38 years that he's been wrestling, Damn. which is insane. It's pretty good. He's trying to beat Jerry Lawler's record. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been wrestling longer than I've been alive. So, <laughs> I mean, literally, I mean, that's that's where we're at. Like, that's, that's awesome. Like, so, I mean, if you're going to believe anybody in terms of how to do this, he's – hopefully he's, he's helping people learn in AEW – for at least the, the few people that'll listen to him, but I'm sure he has a he has so much insight from like what to do, what not to do, yeah. this and that, you know. But, if I was gonna pick somebody's brain, he'd be one. Yeah, uh, there was something weird about this match. The commentary talked a ton about Luger during this. Like they kept talking about how Luger would or would not be in the Royal Rumble. Which I thought was kind of weird because it's like taking away, like, you spent all this time doing these promos. This is Jeff Jarrett's debut. You don't need to focus on anything else. I was a little miffed about that. Um, but Lex Luger the is the big, the big gold goose. He's the next one. I mean, I get it, but is he, though? Is he, though? No, Vince I, is I about to change his mind. Right, exactly. That's that's my point. Is like you spent, legitimately, we've been watching promos from Jeff Jarrett for over two months. And this is his first debut. And even even though it's with the jobber, like give him the respect, put some respect on his name, let let him wrestle, respect. and you focus on him rather than talk about other stuff. Yeah, respect. Respect. Yeah, this is like right on the edge of Vince Change's mind. I feel like because it's like I still feel like at this point he still believes in Lex. Mm-hmm. But like we're like within weeks time of him being like, you know what? I don't think it's going to work out, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I, oh yeah. Before we get to it, I want, I just wanted to write, read out what my notes say. This was JJ versus PJ ham. And I gave it a SK W a double S H double H squash. Southern squash. <laughs> Southern squash. 
Grits um, and gravy. There it is. Now they're, <laughs> now they're doing this hotline thing. This plugs into what you're saying about Lex Luger. Where they want fans to give their opinion on whether or not Jack Tony should allow Lex Luger to compete in the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Due to that clause from a SummerSlam match where it was like, if Luger lost, he can't get any more future title matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that. Um, then we got Men on a Mission with Oscar versus Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. Yep. I, I called them uh, Eggberg. Eggberg. <laughs> Eggberg. Eggberg. <laughs> Hamburg, too. Oh, Hamburg. Uh, see, Hamburg was too on the nose. Yeah. Use ham. I'm trying to alternate. So they got stuck with Eggberg. So we, we just got to be okay with that. Oscar does a Christmas rap, and Sean says he hates this music, and he misses Double J and the country western stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I I was looking at them in the ring and Barry Hardy, and I'm like, have I seen this guy before? I don't think so. And to me, like when he's standing next to Dwayne Gill, yoke the clown. There it is. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, when Barry Hardy stands next to Dwayne Gill, he looks like the Pokemon evolution of Dwayne Gill. Like that's the next step. <laughs> he gets bigger. He he has more hair. He's wearing more wild gear. Like it's like you know, fucking ocean tiger stripes or some shit. I don't know. Do you ever understand that anyway? The logic of Pokemon. If you had a Charmander, why would you catch another Charmander and evolve it to Charmeleon and have both of those on your team? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Just have one, evolve that one all the way to Charizard, and use that one and beat people's ass. You dumb fuck. Spreading type advantages. There's this thing called autism, and all the various Pokemon trainers in the world have it. And it's like, I'm talking about the kind of people like, my favorite Pokemon is Muck, and he has like six fucking Mucks. (laughs) It's like, why? It's like, what the fuck? I don't know, people do that in Pokemon. Yeah, and I love that. Whenever fucking you go in a cave and there's some guy wearing like thick glasses that clearly he can't already see anyway, and he's like, his name is Pokemon Retard, and Pokemon <laughs> Retard has has fucking four Slowpokes, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Slowpokes a fucking idiot, and I was like, I never mind. That's the fucking official Pokemon for autism awareness. My favorite. You find the 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 kid that was in the line to see Santa from Christmas story with like the aviator cap. Uh-huh. You, you find him in a cave and he's like, my favorite Pokemon is Pidgey. And he's got like four Pidgeys. <laughs> Ironically, this is, this is a, this a mental disability and developmental delay month. So, so we, we do, we do throw out the support to all those, those families and, and children that, that have these delays. Uh, it's great to have the help and support for them. That that being said, those, those yeah. Pokemon trainers are fucking retarded. They are pretty bad. <laughs> if I'm shit, don't hit the B button, you fucking idiot. You got a level fucking 50 Pidgey. It's useless. It's so cute, though. I can understand girls doing that because it's like, it's cuter when it's smaller. I don't it's, know. Yeah, they never said that. No, some of them did uh, in the old games, I remember. Uh I don't know. Oh, I thought it was a penis joke. Never mind. We're not talking about Pokemon anymore. Uh, Mo and Mabel are crushing <laughs> these guys. And at some point, Sean starts talking about how Mabel reminded him of this story about some guy in Argentina. 
And then Vince <laughs> cuts him off. And he's like, hang on, that's what you're talking about. He's, Sean is referring to an eating contest where they were eating pigs. And he's like, and he pauses and he's like, unfortunately, some man succumbed to the eating of the pig. <laughs> the way that he said that, I'm like, are you saying he died? He was in this eating contest and he fucking died from eating pigs? Like, I took it the other way. I took it like Vince looked at other people that ate pork and was like, wait a second, you can't eat pork? That's just, un that's unholy. <laughs> I don't know. He, he made it sound like, like eating the pig was a curse mark or something. And I was like, well, wait, does Vince eat pig? But, you know, reportedly he only eats steak wraps. No, so. he also eats turkey. He eats turkey. Um, he he eats turkey sandwich on plain white bread with a little bit of mustard. Steak wraps. Not burrito. <laughs> Fucking burrito. The way he said that, though, his verbiage was just, like, really odd. It's like he didn't know how to say this guy died from an eating competition. <laughs> and it just came out, he succumbed to the eating of the pig. And I'm like, this, ha that, this has to be, like, some kind of a joke. We have to make this into, like, a line. Yeah, coming to the weird. of the pig. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket. I'm gonna figure it out someday. Okay, add it to the workshop. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna workshop it like Cody did his promos before. <laughs> Sean says that guy probably could have gotten tips from Mabel because he eats pigs all the time and he's still healthy. Which <laughs> I guess he's not wrong. Uh. Men on mission kill these ham and eggers. Mo drops Hardy, and then Mabel does a second rope splash, and he kills him for three. <laughs> hey, before we move on, I think it is funny. This is a separate whole review thing I have up here. It, this is a lie at the end. The commentary also included some very bizarre story of a man in Argentina dying after eating a whole pig. Vince McMahon was very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't believe I like I paused it like did he what the fuck did he say and I rewinded it. <laughs> just, I had to be sure. Oh uh, uh the eating of the pig. Uh now we're doing a Royal Rumble report with Todd Petting Zoo and he gives us some scoops. Uh Yokozuna versus Undertaker in a casket match for the WWF world title is official. Official. Uh, we're getting Razor Ramon versus IRS for the Intercontinental title. Since Razor Ramon's in this match, I will watch this IRS match. Uh, Petting Zoo then gives us the big scoop, and he tells us nine wrestlers that are going to be in the Royal Rumble. It's Bret Hart, Owen, Mabel, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Majin Crush, Kamala, who we haven't seen for a long time, actually. It has been a hot minute. Doink the Clown and Scott Steiner, who I'm surprised is still there. I thought they were gone now. Um, but we'll see. And then we got the grudge match. Ludwig Borga versus Tatanka. So I did write some notes because I was like, all right, this is this is the real match for the night. It is a real match for the night, which is a real disappointment, but we'll get there. Yeah. So Tatanka starts firing off, hitting punches and chops, and he hits brain chops, which is the chop to the head. Some people call that a tomahawk chop, if you're of the, the Native American persuasion, I suppose. Uh, and then he hits, he backs Borga into the corner, and then he goes to do, you know, the 10 punch in the corner thing. Mm -hmm. But instead of punches, he, like, 
keeps slapping him in the head. And I'm like, that's not good. That looks fucking phony. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I always felt like the 10 punches in the corner was like kind of easy to do. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like the it's like you know how Gordon Ramsay gets mad at people when they can't cook a burger. You no, know, it's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it's hard to fuck up mashed potatoes or like a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, but he fucked it up. <laughs> he fucked you, up the basics. Will you fuck up the ten punches in the corner and it just looks like shit? Like I don't know, man. <laughs> That's not a good. Yeah, sign. you can't cook an egg. Where's the lamb sauce? That's not really an English accent, but I don't know what that was. Yeah, was that my, an Argentinian accent. Uh, maybe it was. It's definitely Argentinian. After eating a, a fucking pig, I'm a little drunk, and I've been doing that this was... weird thing where I read a story, and the story I read, it, the kid, the, the mom is definitely from like Southampton, so she's like, "Are, are you okay?" She talks like a weird voice. It's it's a whole thing. That so. was the mystery. Of me was the pig. You're succumbing. To the eating, I'm, I'm succumbing to the, the fucking pig meat. <laughs> Borga rolls out. Tatanka goes after him, and he chops him some more. And then he makes Borga suck pole. And then <laughs> we're three for three. We're three, three for poles. three now. Three suck pole spots in, in a row. Uh, and he throws Borga in the ring, and then he does the rain dance. He's going to summon some rain, and then he hits a clothesline, and then he does a body slam. And he does an elbow drop, but he doesn't try to cover him after all that. Tataka uh, tries to go to the top rope, and he hits the crossbody for two. Then he shoots Borga off. Borga body blocks him, uh, formed a table style, because uh, he's not Vader. Because Vader's got all the good stuff in, in it that's not good for you, but it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the soul food? Yeah. Yeah. That's what Vader's got. But <laughs> oh yeah, Vader's all gravy, but that's fine. Gravy's good in that case. Like Borga, Borga is the um, like the the Tesla or like the Prius hybrid, whereas Vader is like the diesel engine. Yeah, you know, it's funny we keep making these jokes about him being like farm to table and shit. Like he's leaner or healthier. He actually looks fat as fuck in this. He looks very flabby. Like he looks like he's clearly bloated and gained weight. Has he? I thought he looked the same the whole time. Oh no! I thought he looked a little bigger in this episode. Maybe like he's... not not bigger, like he's like huge. Like he he just looks like he's bloated. Maybe he has an allergic reaction to, to Native Americans. I don't know. I, he's he's allergic to the booking he's been given in America. <laughs> it's shit, America. He's allergic to all this American cuisine. This America's trash dump. Uh, Must be it. Borga whips Tataka in the corner, and then he hits a pretty good-looking corner splash on him, actually. And then Borga shoots off the Native American superstar, and he hits a power slam for two. And then Borga body slams him, and he goes for a jumping elbow drop, but he misses. Mm -hmm. He always misses the elbow drop, and I'm just like, you think he'd learn at some point to not do that move anymore? Because he always misses it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... Tataka gets up and he does three clotheslines knocking him down. And then we see like a wide shot of the arena after that. And then you see like the crowd is all like converging to like the front yeah, row. It was really confusing. I was like, what the fuck's going on? And then we see Yokozuna's showed up and he's got Mr. Fuji with him. So like that thing Cornette was talking about was like, Yokozuna's gonna be there next next week. You're gonna see him. It's mm-hmm. just like uh Tataka hits power slam for two. 
And then he goes to the top rope again. Mr. Fuji hits him with the Japanese flag, knocking him down. And then Sean's like, he didn't mean to do that. That was an accident. He was just waving the flag. It did, like, really nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, ref calls a DQ. Like, Yoko's nothing. Like, I don't know if the refs, the ref didn't see that he got hit with the flag, but it's like, Yokozuna just entered the ring, and then the referee just disqualified immediately. He was like, nope, this match is over. He didn't even do anything. He didn't touch anybody, but I, I, think, I guess he just figured, fuck it, because he's not going to be able to stop him. Disqualification. <laughs> uh, but he goes to attack Tataka, but he's not successful. Tataka fights back, and chops him and shit, and fights him off, and Yoko does the, the oh, oh no, like the, the, the thing where he's trying to, <laughs> He's trying to stand up. That always works, though. It's crazy. It's like this really simple thing. Mm-hmm. Just, getting this big, just getting this big fat guy to fall over and take a, a bump is like a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're large enough and you get the guy to tip over, it, it, it's like a big deal. And it's like just the simplest thing ever. It's just like, I'm not going to fall. I'm, no, I'm not. And then when he finally falls, they go, ah. <laughs> it just always works. Uh. Borga attacks Tataka from behind to help uh, Yokozuna, though. And then Lex Luger comes out to even the odds. And he throws Borga out. And then he, like, faces off with Yoko for a moment. And then they start fighting. And then he hits the forearm. And then he body slams Yokozuna and gets a huge pop. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Match ended in a disqualification. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, like, good either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Luger's still over. <laughs> Somehow. I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. Okay. I I gave it a 5.2, and I considered that generous. Because it was kind of just like, eh. Um, I felt like Borga's cardio looked rough. He he just looked really out of steam, like halfway through the match, like was really huffing and puffing, um, and well, which is weird because he's looked pretty good. As a thing, like Borga has been weak everywhere else, and I blame that more on the how he's been booked. But like you know, with his promos and other stuff, like they're forcing him to talk and do all this other like anti-American stuff. But like the thing that's been the saving grace is like his ring works look really good. But I, for some reason, he looked kind of rough this particular episode. I don't I don't know. I, that was maybe weird. He was, maybe he was sick. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Like, maybe something was going on. It made him look like he was different. But, and then, of course, like, this is this is our main event match, and it ends in a DQ, and it, it's messy. And I get, like, <sighs> sorry, we're, we're at the point where I'm yawning now. But uh, <laughs> Luger, I get it. It's, it's a get Luger over. It's still trying to push him as, like, the next coming of Hogan, but, and people are like popping for stuff, but it's just, they're still pushing that same thing. And there's still that pretty well-known narrative. Like he's not going to wrestle Yokozuna again because he's not a lot of championship match again, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. Something was going on with, with Borga. So that's, that's why I gave it what I did. And I honestly felt I was generous. Like I felt like I could have went sub five, um, if I wasn't trying to give them benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they didn't really do anything offensive. And the match didn't really get any better until, honestly, until Borga took over. Mm-hmm. Even in his, like, weakened state, whatever it is, he has, like, the flu. He ate too much McDonald's. 
I don't know. Yep. <laughs> That's what it was. It was McDonald's that got him. He got McDonald's flu. Uh, yep, the fucking Grimace flu. <laughs> Speaking of Grimace, up next we got Adabon with Harvey Whippleman <laughs> versus Mark <laughs> Thomas. Uh, he's not Grimace, though. Grimace is Mark Thomas. Oh, Mark Grimace? Mark Grimace. It, because of one man. But before that, for some reason, Captain Lou Albano is out there. Mm-hmm. And it's like at first, it's like, is he, who's he? Is he managing Adam Bomb now? It's like, no, Harvey Wilkman comes out. And it's like, okay, so is he managing this guy? No, he just fucks off and leaves. We don't know why he was out there. Yeah, it was really confusing. He came out, but it, but like he didn't do anything. And I I, na- I nicknamed uh, Mark Thomas Nuked Ham because Adam Bomb. Yeah, <laughs> he got nuked. Maybe Lou Albano is like bored, and he just started showing up to like Raw shows because he's like he doesn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm starting to get the feeling. Maybe he's a he's got that kind of personality. Uh, Bomb just towers over this fucking guy though. Like it was ridiculous how much bigger he was. Uh, and then Vince, this is where Vince starts making fun of this guy, saying like he's a big Barney fan because of his singlet. Yeah, and they're like, Who, "Who's Barney?" As what Sean asked, he's like, "Oh, you know the purple dinosaur." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And you see, so you're making fun of Vince not being up on his pop culture, but he was ahead of the curve. He knew about Barney already. <laughs> I guess is how though, because his kids are all—they're like teenagers, and Shane's. Probably in his early twenties at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Stephanie though is like a teenager. Why the fuck would Vince know what Barney is? That's what I want to know. I, I feel like this is when he's fed. Maybe and they're like, hey, the be. kids love Barney, and he's like, "Who the fuck is Barney? I'll give Who a shit about purple dinosaur." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll make fun of somebody. Fuck it. And it's just, <laughs> Uh, uh, bomb Adam smashes the fuck out of this guy in his squash. Yep, squash. That's, that's it. The right guy won. Who cares? Uh, and then we see this. <laughs> we see the beginning, the genesis, the start. To quote a certain somebody of the glut of occupation gimmick era. With yes, Thur- the job era. Thurman Sparky Plug. And I, I still remember this vividly because um, my dad was like a big NASCAR fan back around that time. Mm-hmm. And like, I think he got a kick out of this guy because his his whole thing was he was supposed to be like a stock car racer who was a wrestler. He's just like this. Like, he's like, this is silly, but I don't know. I like this guy because he's trying to be a stock car racing wrestler. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Now that, now that this has happened, I realize Jeff Jarrett is actually the start of the occupational era. That's what I was going to say. I was like, after I wrote that sentence, I was like, but wait, isn't Jeff Jarrett the first? Yeah, I I did the same thing. I was like, Jeff Jarrett actually did this. And what it made me realize after is that Jeff Jarrett really is, for like better or worse, he is the harbinger of, of all bad things that happen to wrestling companies. Because he comes to this company with all these promos and stuff, even though he's great. And 94 and 95 are rough years for WWE. Hmm. He leaves. He goes to WCW. WCW tanks and and gets sold. And then fast forward, he goes to TNA. 
He gets there within a couple of years. DNA's done as the re repackage itself. It's a whole different thing. It's basically an indie again. So we'll see how AEW stuff turns out. And I don't mean that as a bad thing to him. Like his work can be good. It's just for some reason something follows him around. It's some stink where he he just it's like everything I touch dies. <laughs> He's got the black thumb of a fucking professional wrestler. It's not his fault, Slap Nuts. Yeah, exactly. It's not his fault. He, he's fucking... Uh, what's, the, what's the guy that punted that baby in the crowd? Snitsky. Snitsky, yeah. He, he's fucking country Snitsky. It's not my that's fault. Still, that's still like one of the funniest things I ever saw in a wrestling show is that. I don't know. <laughs> he takes a fucking cabbage patch doll and fucking punts it. It's <laughs> not my fault. And it fucking goes flying far. Like, it was a legit punt, too. But this is... This is Bob Holly. This is Bob Holly's first big break in, in wrestling. Because mm -hmm. up to this, he looks very different with, with dark curly hair and shit. Um, but up to this point, Bob Holly was wrestling for Smoky Mountain. But I guess Cornette kind of was like, Vince, take a look at this guy. He's pretty good, brother. He's like, okay, pal. Because Bob Holly is a decent wrestler. But. I don't know if he's got the personality to be Thurman Sparky Plug. <laughs> Who does? Uh, Jeff, such, Jeff Jarrett. It's a big shoes to fill. I, I, I don't know. I'd see it. Now, Jeff Jarrett could bullshit and pretend he was a, a stock car racing driver because he's got that kind of personality. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, then we, 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 yeah, we revisit the clips of Vince interviewing Owen where he challenged Brett to a match, and then we see a clip from this previous weekend superstars where Vince talks to Brett about this challenge, and then Brett very seriously refuses Owen's challenge and says, under no circumstances will he ever wrestle his brother in the ring. And it's like, okay, so Brett refused it. Yep. And then British Bulldogs like, what? We're not cooking anymore? I was your brother. That's a WCW. Uh, yeah, I know, but he, he wrestled British Bulldog in WWF in 92. Well, he's, not his brother, he's not his brother by blood. Ah, whatever. Semantics. It's not semantics. You you're, you get along differently with your in-law family versus your blood family. <laughs> you can fight your in-law family. <laughs> you can fight your in-law family. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm being facetious. I, I really like this, that he's turning around because he's like normal under circumstances. I would always fight. But I can't fight my brother. But of course, we know how that's going to end. We we know how that's going to end. This is just this is the beginning. Uh, then we get Owen Hart versus Mike Bell, and this guy's just dressed like a barbershop pole or whatever the fuck that thing is. <laughs> he hangs out in front of barbershops. Yeah, the fucking red and white. Yeah, and he fucking looks like he's selling old stripe. It's Virgil. Remember Virgil's fucking yeah, tights? He's wearing the fucking Virgil tights. What the, <laughs> the fucking Virgil what? tights? Why does anybody go with that pattern? It just looks like shit. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like you can tell me where the nearest small shop is. <laughs> <laughs> he takes him to school, and then he does this cool spot where, like, this guy actually manages to get a hammer lock on Owen, but he, like, reverses it by, like, Slipping around from behind him, jumping over his head and doing head scissors, and basically fucking DDTing him with the head scissors. 
I'm like, that's okay. It's I'm pretty sure that guy was just too fat and uncoordinated to flip over and he DDT'd himself, but it still looked cool. <laughs> like an egg bell. That's what I called him apparently. Egg bell. <laughs> egg bell. <laughs> I said now I'm just gonna be thinking about Vince where he was like egg. <laughs> he had that weird fucking egg. egg. <laughs> fucking the, the, the fucking million dollar egg that he got from dollar. the rock. <laughs> gave me this egg. He came here, he had seven bucks in his pocket. Had nothing else. Dreams and seven dollars. Egg. <laughs> but uh, this whole thing was just a showcase for Owen. He finishes up Mike Bell with a sharpshooter squash. I was disappointed in Owen though because he did the thing. He did the sunglasses spot again, mm-hmm. but he gave it to some little kid and he fucked up. And I wish he kept giving it to like girls out in the crowd for some reason. It just seems like more mm-hmm. of an asshole move. <laughs> squash. Yep, I also squashed it. And then we get the uh, amazing Paul Bear segment, which was the opening promo, uh, more or less. Oh, yeah, the one where I was diddling kids, apparently. You were diddling kids. You were the, the old man from <laughs> Metaphorically, I don't really diddle kids. I save children's lives. Yes, a disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. Uh, but... He's showing us Undertaker's workshop where he makes all the special caskets. You can see the, the casket he made for Kamala sitting up there, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And then he's going to make a double wide, double deep one for Yokozuna because you have to. He's fat. He's fat. Paul Bear, it's just Paul Bear being Paul Bear, being like amazing and silly and shit. And, Undertaker's back there, cart. He's like shaving off a piece of wood or some shit. You can't even really see him because it's all smoky in there. And then finally, like the camera zooms in on him, he's like, "Rest in peace." <laughs> um, do we get Head Shrinkers versus Phil Apollo? And uh, I I couldn't catch this guy's first name, so I called him Baked Ziti. <laughs> Baked Ziti, Jerry Seavey. Okay, I, I thought it was Ziti. <laughs> Jerry Ziti, <laughs> Baked Ziti. <laughs> Uh, it's just head shrinkers beat the fuck out of these guys. That's, that's all it is. Uh, squash Samoa. Yep, I, I literally wrote Samoa and squash. Samoa and squash. Uh, and then next week, they're going to tell us, we're going to see highlights of the WWF Women's Championship Tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Razor Ramon. We're going to see him. We're going to see Lex Luger. Then we're going to get Marty Jannetty versus Johnny Polo for some reason. Oh, I love this. Whenever they announce this, Shawn Michaels says, who? Who's that? Marty Jannetty <laughs> is like, that guy's not, he's he's nobody without me. He never will be. <laughs> Fuck. He's not wrong, though. He ended up, that prophecy became true. It really did. He ended up being the guy that was like, I, yeah, I committed murder in a bowling alley, but it was self-defense. I know what I got. I know what I got. The birth of Raven after losing to Marty is what Dub says. Maybe. There might be something yeah, to that. There could there could be. I just realized we need to backtrack a little bit. I don't think we actually gave a rating to the Borga match. Oh, we did. You just forgot. Oh, I forgot to say mine. I, I gave it. No, what did you end no, up giving yours? You gave it a 5.2. You just forgot that you gave your rating out. You forgot all about it. Oh, did I? Damn. Yeah. I'm time traveling in the opposite end. It fucking... Beer man you, got you me backwards. <laughs> Fucking meat plus beer equals time distortion. You had reverse meat. 
reverse he says <laughs> reverse meat reverse meat time space mean? continuum so yeah what what did you give the show overall then uh i said it was okay just held up by some decent promos and segments more than anything mhm sean is actually pretty good on commentary he's pretty smooth mhm uh sometimes you get wrestlers in there in a commentary like in Granted, they only have to do their part for like maybe 10 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But he did it for the whole show and was pretty good at it. Uh, I gave it a 5.3. Okay. I, I was definitely a little more harsh, but it's because of pattern that I noticed. We are still very heavy on squashes that are inconsequential because they're focused more on the commentary that are it's happening. And it's a commentary that's happening that has nothing to do with the match. Um, I gave it a 4.7. I, I was also off. I was off put by the match that actually happened. Um, like the main event match we had was barely a five. So, um, so I did some statistics for over the three match or the three episodes that we had. So there were a total of 16 matches on the three Raws that we covered and we talked about tonight. So out of the 16 matches, only one match was not a squash and had a clean finish. It was a, it was a savage match. It's the yeah. only match I had a clean finish that wasn't a squash. The other two matches that weren't squashes were matches that ended in DQ. So out of 16 matches, only three were non-squashes. 13 squash matches in 16 matches. And in fact, of the last 11 matches you and I talked about, 10 of them were squash matches. Yep. That is an insane amount of squash matches. Um, I get it. They're an autopilot. That's the way it is. But that is rough. It's kind of like why watch. It's also uh, 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 TV back then, too, to an extent. That's just how it was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. Like watching a couple of squash matches, I'm not. I've never had a problem with that. But yeah. I mean, we're getting to the point now to where there's not even matches to necessarily review. You're getting you're yeah. getting like whole episodes where you don't have to review anything. Yeah, that's kind of where I started writing a lot less because it's just like this guy gets squashed. There's mm -hmm. nothing else to say. I mean, it's just. I mean, I've seen Adam Bomb have like several squashes up to this point. Right. What else, what else can I say about Adam Bomb squashes? Not much. Not much. <laughs> nope, not much. So that's the, the triple penetration raw dogged episode. Woo woo. It's over. It's so over. Now, we did it. So now we got through the rough part, and now I feel like it'll at least end on a more positive note. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's because, like, like I said, none of my scores, like that score, that didn't go below a five. But that doesn't even mean like, oh, I recommend it because it's a five, because that's not what that is. Right. <laughs> it was just like a very middle. It was a very mid episode. Mm -hmm. Mid. Mid. So the next episode, we're gonna review Starcade, and then the final Raw of the year, and. uh might do our end of the year awards, which will be uh, uh, maybe stripped down a little bit <laughs> compared mm -hmm. to what we usually do. But I feel like we have to do that. So. Yeah, no, I think it's a good idea to do at the at the end of the year. 
Um, as far as uh, the episode itself, too, of course, we're we're doing our timing differently than we normally do. We're doing this on a Tuesday because of different circumstances, but um, you know, two weeks from now, so a little after two weeks on uh, the Thursday, uh, we'll be doing the next episode. And then, of course, we've talked before about what we're going to do in 1994, which we can reveal with more detail then. But um, I'm going to change up the, the formatting a little bit, right? You want to tell everybody about that? Yeah, we're uh, we're basically going to fat. We're going to initiate fast forward protocol because uh, we just don't. We're going to run out of uh, Saturday night episodes to compare to Raw, basically. Mm-hmm. Like we would have, we would have gone back to watching them, but we run out after like a month and a half, and there's yeah. no other source to watch these episodes, so can't do anything. I can watch. We can watch. We can watch all the raws, but there's there's ECW TV that's that's actually on uh, the network, but I don't know if it's really worth getting into yet at the the point it's at. Just, just being real. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so we're gonna just stick to uh, pay per views and big events for 1994, but we're also putting the ECW shows we can we can actually watch in the mix. That's right. So all the WWF pay per views. Um, I'll probably make an exception for. Uh, I might try to seek out notable Raws in 1994. Like, for example, the, the July Raw where Brett has the match with 1-2-3-Kid. Mm-hmm. Pro- we'll probably watch that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like Watching anything that's, that's notable like that would be good. I'll, I'll probably do an advanced search and kind of beef up the schedule a little bit for that. But uh, yeah. then there's all the ECW shows, which is more than what you think for that year. Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me. But WCW has the most shows because they still have those uh, Clash of the Champions and then all the pay-per-views. So they actually have, like, the most. <laughs> hmm. Just worked out that way. It's weird how that works. Yeah. But uh, I guess unless there's anything you want to talk about, because <laughs> there's no news I, I want to talk about other than Jay Uso betrayed Sami Zayn, that fuck. Yeah, that was such a good way to do that, too, because it got everybody to buy in on he's still covering for Sammy, and he, they love him, so he gives him the big hug, and then he betrays him. So it's pretty pretty clear it's leading to, to the Usos versus Sammy and whoever he chooses as a partner, which, I mean, come on, it's going to be Kevin Owens. Yeah, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, the... Uh, Pay-per-view, uh, all out, AEW all out, just or not all out, uh, Revolution. I'm, I'm time traveling again. That's that's like six months from now. Uh, Revolution just happened uh, Sunday. Overall, really good show. Um, there were some hokier moments. Um, everyone in the arena, if you basically if you bought a ticket, you bled. I think pretty sure that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> like no, really though, like. There were some pretty hardcore stipulation matches on the card, and that Texas Death match was fucking brutal. Like the the scene of him like just carving open and poking open uh, arteries on Hangman's face with 
the fucking fork and then just like blood squirting all over Moxley. It was pretty fucking brutal. I don't give a shit. Like it's real and it's fucking metal. It is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking cool. But um, there honestly, I there weren't any terrible matches. Like every match was at least solid to good. Um, the Wardlow Joe match suffered from just having to come after the the uh, John Moxley Hangman match. Um, I'll go ahead and say it now. Hard line. And if you want to fight me, go watch it first and tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, MJF. Uh, Brian Danielson, Iron Man match, one of the best Iron Man matches to ever exist. It it is that good. That is a phenomenal match. Um, again, Danielson's one of the best technicians to ever do it. MJF is coming into his own in terms of how he does things, and he's such a good fucking heel. There were so many cool things that happened in it. I'll just I won't go into in details. I'll just leave it at that. Hmm. Um. I would put it against any other Iron Man match I've ever watched. It was that good. So, what does Dubs have to add to that? Splash tequila. Splash tequila. Oh yeah, yeah. He threw. So there's some heat that's going around right now. He threw. He threw a drink back in a, in a kid's face, and that kid was not a plant. That kid was. That was a real moment where the the, the heel did a shit thing. And threw threw something in a kid's face, and the kid got upset. Thankfully, AEW did the right thing and got the kid a bunch of stuff and gave him some backstage moments and stuff because the kid was really upset about this. Turns out, if you're a child and an asshole is working a match, he he may throw something on you. So you got to be here ready for that type of stuff. <laughs> but I like that. I, I like that they tie into that. Again, I'm not celebrating that a kid gets that. Like as long as the kid's okay, they do the right thing to make sure the kid's all right. We're fine, but. Um, again, just adds to this whole thing. Like, where's the line drawn, and where MJF's character is real versus where he's not? Is he really just a psychopath? Maybe. So, Possibly. again, yeah. So I won't, I won't go too much more into detail of the the matches, but um, that main event was really good. It was a strong pay per view overall, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I didn't have any other in info as far as uh, news or anything. I don't think there's anything that's come out recently, so. Yeah, I don't think there's much else to talk about. Um, nope. We will come back and do our, we'll finish the year, and uh, we will, maybe by then, when's WrestleMania? Is it is it April, the beginning of April? Yeah, WrestleMania is a, we're right at that four-week mark, so I think it's the first weekend in April. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, so we'll, we'll probably cover that. We got other stuff to cover first. It, it might yeah. work out perfectly if we cover, um, if we cover the and do the end of the the month and end of the year award stuff, and then the next time we can cover WrestleMania and then go into a new year. Might work out that way. We'll see. Yeah, but uh, we're gonna sign off, and we'll do this again in a week or two. <laughs> yeah, and if for those that are listening to, we're. Uh, because our schedule's altered, we're actually going to be doing our, our week's episode of Big Trouble Little Podcast, which we normally do every Tuesday at 10 p.m., but this, this week we're going to be doing it Thursday at 10 p.m. So feel free to catch myself, uh, Zach, and Andy, our other uh, uh, crew member helping us out. Uh, and we're actually going to be going over a, a different movie. We're going to be covering Bullet Train. It's a fun ride. We're going to talk all about that. Fucking Tangerines. It'll be great. If you know, you know, we're going to talk a lot about Thomas the Tank Engine. 
uh, deep cuts. Love it. We'll see you then. So yeah, for for those listening, thank you for for staying tuned with us and our craziness. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Bounce, 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 bounce. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Bounce, 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 bounce. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Tennis ball, throw it against the wall. Helps me forget about my cancer.